Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. just went on vacation i did how was it it was so much fun how was your travel companion oh the best literally could not ask for a better travel companion (laughs) are you just saying that because they listen to the show (laughs) (laughs) thank you for your support (laughs) travel companion yeah no i mean truly like you know you were there but you know like a couple people asked me like is that too much time for you guys to be spending together and i was just like there were just like multiple times including on the drive home which i know partially was because like we were both delirious at that point but just like multiple times throughout the week where we were both just like laughing until we were crying (laughs) and it was just like no see i could spend every day of my life with this person oh well good because you have to i was thinking about that (laughs) actually earlier our drive back once we got back into town and how everything was just funny, and I know, like you said, it's because we were in the car all day, but I was still thinking about it, and I was like, no, it's still funny. Yeah, no, it was still definitely. We drove past a restaurant <laughs> called J2C, and the two looks like an O. It's very strange, and we were just talking about how it looks stupid, and then yeah. we were like, why is it called J2C? <laughs> and I was like, uh, maybe it's just two cheeses, and that's all they have. You walk in... And you just get, like, I just imagine a waiter just holding two slices of cheese to like, do you want the Swiss or the cheddar? On their bare hands. On their bare palms, yes. <laughs> and that's all you get. It's not like one of those, do you remember when Olive Garden used to have, like, trays of, like, like fake versions of their dessert? Oh, to, yeah. To, like, bring to you to be like, look like at what it looks used like. used to be, like, a trend, yeah, too. Yeah, like, I in, definitely think in so. restaurants, yeah. yeah. Like, so, that was somebody's job. Yeah, to, to make those. wander around with desserts and entice people oh yeah also yes yeah so they don't they come out with a tray of just like rubber slices of cheese <laughs> art sliced and arranged artfully to yeah. be like soy cheddar that's it that's all you can choose from and they're ten dollars each what do you mean you're lactose intolerant get out <laughs> get out how'd you get in here just <laughs> the bouncer should have checked <laughs> supposed to ask at the door yeah just two so cheeses that's our restaurant idea <laughs> that we developed yeah and you just change the cheeses you get some seasonal cheeses <laughs> seasonal cheeses yeah for you know seasons <laughs> <laughs> i don't know very much about cheese <laughs> we're gonna have to learn well we're gonna le- obviously yeah well these are things that we learned before we open the doors you know exactly. to the public but yeah it's just two cheeses there's actually a portlandia bit similar to that where they own a boutique called just two shirts and they just have two shirts in the whole store right and they're just like that's it right they're just like on a rack and they like move them around that happened to me the other day i saw an instagram ad that was like i get a lot of ads for like gender neutral clothing you know and one of them was like 
t-shirts that fit better or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm interested. How do they make t-shirts fit better? Yeah. So I clicked on it and it was just two shirts. <laughs> That's all they sold. That's all you need. I know. I was When like, you find oh, the perfect shirt. They're like $70 t-shirts. Oh, damn. I know. I was like, no, thank you. No. You anyway. gotta make them cheap so you can buy 20 of them. Yeah. Because that's the perfect shirt and that's all you need. Exactly. Anyway, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. This is Replay Rewind. I'm Bucket Snake. That's Meat Wedge. We're here to talk about a movie that we haven't seen in a long time. We're gonna try and remember what it's about. We're gonna go watch it. We're gonna come back. We're gonna tell you what it was about. And we'll give you some trivia so you can impress your friends. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Mask away. Slightly sunburnt companion. I'm it- itchy. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> Have you ever had anything stolen from you? Oh. I mean, yeah. Haven't we all? <laughs> My heart. Aww. No. Um, no. Just kidding. Well, for the purpose of the pod, I will tell this very hilarious story yeah. of having a thing stolen from me once. Please. So there I was, young, dumb, in love, mm-hmm. in a relationship, mm-hmm. had no money. Yeah. We, my ex's father was a mechanic, and mechanics just seem to have this ability to get cars yeah for very cheap sure it's like they're always aware of what cars are for sale within like a hundred mile radius yeah and they, they can just get know. you a good deal well they probably buy them for parts too yeah, and yeah for sure so we didn't have a car we were broke he was like hey my friend is selling this car for 80 dollars okay 80 dollars wow. and we were like you know what we can scrape that together we got 80 dollars well not not now but we you know yeah we'll get it we'll sit we'll get it we'll right. look through the couch Exactly. So with quarters, I bought this. It was like a Honda. No, it was a really old Toyota Camry. That's what it was. Okay. Like a box. Dependable. It was a box. It had no rear shocks. So if you sat in the back seat, you were just like going to hit your head on the ceiling. Oh. With every bump. Yeah. What I'm saying is it was a piece of shit. The doors didn't lock. You could start it without the key. You could just turn the ignition. <laughs> oh, God. And it would just come on. Yeah. And... Also, because we were poor, we lived in a very spicy part of town, uh-huh. and we couldn't lock our car, and you didn't need to keep to start it, so right. our car got stolen. No. Obviously. And the best part of this story is that we called the police, and they were like, well, you know, they probably just stole it to run some drugs, and they'll just abandon it somewhere, and we'll find it. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know what? That's cool. They could have just asked. <laughs> right? I would have let them borrow it. Right. They just borrow Maybe it. Maybe for a fiver. Right. Fill it up. Fill up the tank. Yeah. My ex saw people driving the car around our neighborhood, like, mm. a few days later. Yeah. And called the police. Yeah. And they were like, okay, well, like, come get it. But I wasn't in town, and my ex was, like, in school, and I think had to go to class. I don't remember. Yeah. But neither of us could be there when they got the car. Okay. So they impounded our car. No. So to get back our $80 car... We had to pay $120 no. to get it out of impound. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I've had something stolen and then made worse yeah, by the police. That's fucked up. That's Hashtag half again as much. A cab. Truly. Happy end to the story, though. I later sold it for $300. Whoa. So, profit. How'd you manage that? I tricked someone. <laughs> I lied. I mean, I listed it on Craigslist. $300 is still super cheap for a car. That's you know? true. They don't have to know what you and pay for it. And it started. And yeah. it went. I mean, the added convenience of not even having to have a key for it. Exactly. As long as you don't tell anyone. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Have you ever had anything stolen? Yeah. Nothing significant. Yeah. Someone took my iPod Classic out of my car and that made me real mad. Yeah. Because I had so much, so much good music on it. Because I was working at 
a video game store at the time. And so anytime people brought in CDs to sell, I would just rip them to the office computer. Yeah. And put them on my iPod. Yeah. Which was like 120 gigs. So it had like all kinds of cool shit on it, you know. And anytime I like would go to somebody's house, I'd be like, ooh, what you got? <laughs> Scrolling through their <laughs> iTunes library, putting stuff on my iPod. So Hell yeah. That was tight. And I had named it McLovin. And I had found, um, well, in in a copy of Superbad that someone had sold to the store, yeah. there were, like, Superbad stickers. And so I, like, put little Aww. McLovin's driver's license on the back Aww. and, like, yeah, put found, I got little letter stickers. And so it did. And I was like, listen, man, <laughs> they don't yeah. make those anymore. No. And you don't need this. <laughs> you don't need it. I put a lot of work into that iPod. So that was, like, really frustrating. And, you know, also just frustrated at myself for leaving my car doors unlocked. Right, yeah. It's a dumb thing to do. Or leaving... <laughs> Stuff where people can get them. But nothing, uh, you know, so serious as my car. Yeah. I mean, it was $80. It's fine. I know. But, you know, <laughs> it, it represents a lot and it gets you places, which right. is very important. It was just so frustrating. I was like, listen, we're all poor around here. Don't steal my car. Right. Go steal somebody else's car. Who we has money? And can buy it. a new one. Yeah. Don't steal mine. I'm right. bo- we're probably we work the same place or something. Right. You know? yeah. We might be bros. I don't know. <laughs> That's frustrating. But yeah, why are why are we uh why, 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 <laughs> talking about crime today? We're talking about crime. Because this is a true crime podcast now. Switch. All the times we've said it's not, now it is. What crimey movie are we talking about? We are talking about the return of the Pink Panther. Yeah. It's there are like six or seven pink panther movies Mm -hmm. from the 60s and 70s but for some reason this is the one that my brother and i watched like a hundred thousand times yeah i've seen it so many times and i i just really love it i think it's it's got to be the second one in the series but who knows who knows yeah you can return at any time that's true (laughs) i've seen yeah i've i've seen this one a billion times and then i've seen a shot in the dark like once or twice which Mm -hmm. is another like peter sellers inspector clouseau movie and that's it so maybe i should watch the other ones but i'm like no yeah. this is the best one as far as i'm concerned right, so i don't need anything else it's just the one i'm gonna watch this is all i need but yeah that sounds fun yeah i don't what, know if you how know. old is it is it from the 70s yeah 1975 nice mm-hmm. cool is it like um so i've seen the pink panther cartoon right right and i'm sure that i have seen some of these movies because i know the theme song and stuff um yeah, I mean, they just, it's from the cartoon, so oh, you don't right. have okay. to have seen the... Um, is it like a goofy James Bond? Kinda, yeah. He's okay. an inspector for the whatever police department. I don't even remember where they live, because he's like super French, Peter but Sellers he's fake French. British, right? I think so. Yeah. But he, you know, they don't live in France. Oh, okay. I think it gets stolen from this museum and turkey or istanbul or something what but, does so he but i don't know he's an inspector but he's a real idiot but he ends up solving the crimes at the end just kind of bumbling through it right yeah so a very like mr bean mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay yeah and so in this one is there anything else that you'd like to guess before i tell you the entire plot of this um, movie i won't tell you how it ends he has a funny hat <laughs> and a magnifying glass yeah Mm-hmm. That's all I got. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in this one, he, like, a giant diamond is stolen from a museum, and mm. the mu- diamond itself is called the Pink Panther. Oh. 
yeah, so someone steals it and he goes to investigate. And his main suspect is a man named Charles Litton, who is played by Christopher Plummer. Oh, nice. And he's really great. Yeah. And it's just him trying to, like, at one point he imitates, like, a telephone repairman so he can get in their house to, like, just be in their house and look at yeah. stuff and listen in on their phone lines and stuff like that. And then another point he is a pool cleaner. Yeah. But he accidentally, like, drives a whole van into their pool. Nice. Because his brakes don't work or some shit. I don't know. It's very silly. <laughs> so, yeah. it's just So, it's, like, various him being, like, undercover. Yeah, he's got, like, poorly. a fake mustache on. Okay, and, like, cool. he's just trying to, like, bubble through it. And they're yeah. all just kind of like, okay. And then his uh, boss is Chief Inspector Dreyfus, who just, like, hates him. Oh, no. And is, like, always yelling at it. Like, at yeah. one point, uh, at the beginning, he is talking to this man who is blind and has like a performing monkey and he's like you know do you have he's trying to just find out if he has a license to have he says do you have a license for your minky (laughs) and the guy's like a what (laughs) because like yeah that's another running gag is that people like can't really understand him because he has this like really heavy french accent really do you have a license for your minky yeah but so then he's telling the chief inspector you know he's just like yeah he, he was just hanging out there and so i asked him you know if he had a license and he was like oh yeah so he was it's all good he's on the up and up and the chief inspector is like he was a lookout you idiot you know he was he was there being the lookout for the police and for this crime that was happening and he's like how can a blind man be a lookout and he's like how can an idiot be a policeman (laughs) so he's just always yelling at him and shit hey blinken hold the reins man (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there's it's it's just that my favorite scene and the one that my mom and I quote all the time is mm-hmm. there's a point where he's like inspecting where the jewel got stolen from. Yeah. And the thief has like left all their stuff behind kind of as they used it and just, just left it. And one of the things that they did was like cover the floor in wax so they could slide along the floor oh. underneath all the laser beams. Ah. And he's going to look and he just like full body just like whoop slips on the wax and like lands on the ground oh my god and the other dudes standing around watching him are just kind of like chuckling at him but you know to themselves and the guy says are you uh all right (laughs) and he says of course i am all right i'm examining the wax (laughs) they're just like oh okay (laughs) so can we do the rest of the episode in a a terrible french accent yeah in your french accent i'll interpret everything you say yeah, that'll the, be the whole thing. When he's deciding to go under cover as the pool guy, he's talking to somebody. Does Sir Charles Litton have a swimming pool? <laughs> <laughs> like what? <laughs> so I'm really excited. I hope for so. how much you're gonna do that accent it, yeah. because it's great the whole time. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. That's it. Yeah. Let's go watch it. Yeah. Get yourself some fucking candy, popcorn. Candy popcorn. Some candy popcorn, yeah. Some of that really nice, like, zebra whatever popcorn where that's, like, drizzled in chocolate, oh, white chocolate. That sounds Just tight. treat yourself. Yeah, treat you know? yourself. And you know what else you should treat yourself to? Our fucking Patreon. Yes. You know why? Why? Bonus episodes. What? You get a bonus episode every week. That it's means true. you can listen to us talk twice a week if it's you true. want. Yeah. We do long-form episodes of movies. You can have more movies. You can have more fun stuff. You can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Just go to patreon.com slash replay rewind podcast. Go. <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Well, that was a fucking French movie. It sure was. Bonjour, fromage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many other French words do you know? Champagne? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a French word? Yeah. Right? It's yeah. place in France. A region. Je m'appelle a bucket snake. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yes. So, the IMDb mm. says... Inspector Jacques Clouseau is put on the case when the Pink Panther diamond is stolen with the Phantom's trademark glove, the only clue. Yes. So this is a follow-up. Yeah. I mean, we learn a little bit about it, but I guess all of this happened before, mm-hmm. and they're like, let's do it again, basically. Yeah. yeah. Which- so I was like, okay. I mean, I haven't seen the original one. I don't feel like you needed to. Me either. No, for sure. I got it. I guess if you have seen the original, you would be confused because Christopher Plummer is not in it. This is a different guy. Oh. I'll explain more at the end. Yes, please do. All right, so this movie is rated G. <laughs> the opening credits are so fucking 70s. Yeah. I mean, well, the whole thing is 70s. It's true. At the beginning, we open kind of with no credits. It's just like, boom, we're in a museum. Right. Like, we're in, like, a city that... I think it was mostly filmed in, like, Morocco and Algeria. Okay. But it takes place in the fictional country of Lugash. Yes. But I think it's supposed to be based off of Algeria because Algeria and France have been allied for a long time. Oh, yeah. And they make a lot of references to that. Yeah. And France is like, I think, the second most popular language spoken in Algeria to this day and stuff like that. So anyway. Yeah. Kind of dusty, hot, you know, looking, but like really pretty Mm -hmm. looking place. Anyway. So we're in this museum and a man is giving a tour. Yeah. And this. Okay. I know I said. Even this is super 70s. Yeah. Because the way everyone is dressed, the man oh, giving yeah. the tour has the most 70s mustache I have ever seen. It's huge. A lot of good <laughs> mustaches in this movie. Yeah. Everyone's wearing like bell bottoms mm-hmm. and too much white mm-hmm. and everyone's hair is too long. That's great. <laughs> it's great. Anyway. Yeah. We're in a museum. We're looking at the largest and most famous diamond in the world. The Pink Panther. The Pink Panther. Yes. And I mean, it's just kind of there, you know, like there's some velvet ropes around it. Yeah. But it's under like a glass. What's that called? Oh, cloche. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lady's like, well, don't, aren't you afraid that somebody's going to steal it? Mm-hmm. And the guy is like, observe. Yeah. And so he kind of passes his hand through a beam of light and there's a big loud ringing bell and then all of these huge metal doors mm-hmm. come down to seal all of the windows and all the doors and like within seconds they're all trapped in this room yep and he's like see 
then he gets on, on his little radio and he's like, okay, deactivate. Mm. He says, even if you manage to get past that, if you go and you pick up the Pink Panther itself, any any change in the pressure, it'll happen all over again. Right. So he picks it up very, and then, bring, you know, and all the doors. Yeah, very Indiana again, Jones. So. Exactly. <laughs> so he's like, you know, no, we're not worried about it. It's, you know, pretty heavily guarded. There's not much you can do to get around it. Yeah. I was, though, like, I just feel like anybody could just get that walkie-talkie. Go and take it and just be like... Deactivate. Deactivate. Yeah. And you could leave. <laughs> Fair. Anyway. Why is it called the Pink Panther? Bucket Snake? Well, it's called the Pink Panther because the diamond is flawed, which it's not. That's not a flaw. It's cool. You decided <laughs> it was a flaw. It's, it's technically flawed as far as diamonds go. I it has guess. flaws in it. But if you hold it up to the light, you will see the figure of a springing panther. Yep. Yeah. And then we zoom in very close on mm-hmm. the diamond and we see the figure of a springing panther. Exactly. It's the little Pink Panther cartoon introduction featuring tiny cartoon Pluto. He's so small. He's I know. like not even half the size of the Pink Panther. Yeah. He's just like a little tiny squat little man with like a huge nose under in between his like trench coat and his little hat. Yeah. And his little mustache is yeah. so cute. I love it. I could watch that for like an hour, but. I think that's why they have the cartoon. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're just like, this you're like is I want fun. more of this. Yeah. Yeah. It is really cute. It's just mm-hmm. like, the credits are really long, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, the time period where they put everyone at the beginning of the movie, too. Exactly. So it takes a long time. But yeah. you get a lot of little antics of the panther, like wearing disguises and getting away. And yeah, you know, just he's like pretending to be like Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. And he was Mickey Mouse at one point. Mickey Mouse. Yeah. yeah. Groucho Marx, I think. Just a lot of classic Frankenstein's monster. Yeah. So it's very cute. Mm-hmm. And that theme song is playing, which I yeah. love. <laughs> so jazzy. <laughs> so credits over. We're back to the museum. Mm-hmm. It's night now. We see a person dressed all in black who is using a crossbow to create zip lines to get from, like, one rooftop to another. Right. And they land on the rooftop of the museum. Open, like, I don't know what you call that. Like, a hole in the ceiling. But they don't it's create the hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a skylight type yeah. thing. Open I'm glad it. we remembered skylight this time. <laughs> yeah, they open it and then just, like, lower themselves down into the building, which I was like... Well, don't they have any security on the windows and they don't even lock that window? No. They don't care if you get in. They just don't want you getting out. This podcast has been brought to you by Simply Safe. I wish that it were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the the robber person is just moving around quietly, spraying this mist so that they can detect lasers. Mm-hmm. Which, again, uh, is is this real? I don't know. Can you do that? But I they, don't think so. They do detect some, so they load their, load their crossbow and fire it, and then, like, some guards do hear it, but they kind of ignore it. Mm-hmm. Just the classic scenario of, like, you make a noise, but then you wait long enough. You don't make another noise. Right. For some time. Probably nothing. Yeah, it's probably, it's fine. In this part, you remembered, where the thief pours something, like, slippery on the floor, mm-hmm. and, like, you, like, lays on a pad, and then the line retracts and or no it doesn't even retract they like pull themselves with their body strength yeah which what right they just Uh, leave it there yeah and slide across the floor very quietly and then voila here they are in the room with the pink panther yes right up on the little podium underneath those lasers yep ready to go yep so they fire another like crossbow bolt 
into the wall, like up above them. Yes. Into like a big shield looking thing. I don't know. Something else that's in the museum. Yeah. I mean, it's some sort of artwork or something ancient. I don't know. But yeah, they, they fire into that and attach, are able to attach it to the top of the cloche. Mm -hmm. So they can like lift that up Mm -hmm. without touching it. Yeah. And then, then they're like laying down underneath the podium Mm -hmm. and using like a couple, like a set of metal claws that they like unfold. And this is like, I'm not sure... For one, it makes me very nervous because yeah. it's just metal. It has nothing like super grippy on it. And they keep trying to pick the pink panther up and it's like slipping around. And I'm like, yeah. look, you're going to drop it. But the other, I'm not sure. I guess the first one, because they set it down first, it takes over the pressure. Yeah. They had to do the timing in some way that it didn't like add or remove pressure. Yeah. You know? It's very strange. Yeah. But they but that's manage. that's what's implied, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So they manage to get it without the sensors going off. They grab it, put it in their pocket, leave behind a white glove with mm-hmm. a sparkly letter P on the back. Yep. And book it. Pretty sneaky, sis. <laughs> yeah, they go back under the lasers, down the hall, under the doors. The, oh, one of the guards notices. He, like, walks by the room yeah. that the Pink Panther is in and looks over and notices the white glove. Right. And he's like, oh, shit. So he goes to walk into the room and he sets off the alarm. Mm -hmm. But while all the guards are scrambling and the doors are opening and closing, the robber manages to get away. Yes. And since they're dressed in all black, they're like hiding in the shadows. Because at one point, yeah, the guard is walking by and the thief just lays down on the floor Uh in a part where there's no light. Yeah. And so the guard walks right past them because they see, you know, they're looking up and they see, oh, there's a glove and the Pink Panther diamond is missing. So they walk right past them and then... The thief's just, uh, that part also makes me nervous. I'm like, oh, no, right there. (laughs) So it's very, uh, it's very tense. Yes. But they get out. They get back up to the roof. They're running around. We see the first, because up till this point, it has not been silly at all. It's just been kind of like, this is a movie about a diamond. But we see like a guard comes up to the roof and like opens a door and the thief like kicks it really hard. And so it hits the guard in the face. And when it swings back, he's just like laying in a crumpled heap and the thief like runs away. And then we get a group of guards come running around the same corner and like hit the door again, just as that guard is like standing up and then boom, he's back in a crumpled heap. So you're like, oh, it is going to be like kind of slapsticky. Yeah, definitely. Slapstick timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's basically it. The thief uses, creates another zip line, goes to a hotel, rolls in through the window. Yep. The guards try to shoot at them, but it doesn't work. Right. They miss. They have made their escape. Yep. And now we see a meeting. Yeah, some people are in trouble. Yes. Some dudes are meeting to talk about the thievery. Yeah, we've got General Wadafi. Uh-huh. Who works at the museum. Because the... We learned in the tour yeah, that not only is it, you know, the, the biggest diamond, but it also has a, a huge religious significance in this country. So, I mean, it's very it's important, very important. Yeah. that it is missing. Right. So, yeah, General Wadafi is freaking out and he's yelling at these two guys, Colonel Sharkey and then the chief of the Lugash police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the chief is confident that they can catch the thief because there's no way they could have left the country because they're like. They've got their eyes on all the borders, all the roads are closed. You know, they're watching for the man who rented the hotel room that the thief went into. Yeah, they're like, we know his name, we know what he looks like, you know, we have his passport, he rented this hotel room. But Colonel Sharkey's like, he's definitely already changed his name. You know, he's discarded that passport, he's using a different passport, and he's probably leaving, as we speak, Pink Panther in tow. And so they kind of start arguing. Yeah, and the general is like, listen... That's not going to work. We have to call in outside help. Mm-hmm. Let's get the guy 
who returned to the Pink Panther the last time it got stolen. Inspector Clouseau. Yes. Who is being a beat cop. Yeah, he's just kind of hanging out on the streets of France in his little beat cop uniform. He waves at a lady with his nightstick and hits himself in the eyeball. Yep. And that's just going to set up for the whole movie. That's just him for the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. So he rounds a corner mm-hmm. and I talked about this scene a little bit yeah. at the top where he's he sees this man playing the accordion and there's a monkey with him and he's talking for a little bit. He's asking him if he has a license yes. to play music for commercial enterprise. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, the ordinance says that in order to play music on the street for commercial enterprise, you have to have a license. And the right. guy's just like, what? I'm not making the money. I'm just playing the music. All of the money goes to the monkey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he says that's the same. It's the same thing. What does he say? It's the. It is the same. <laughs> yeah. And then, then the guy is like, "No, I'm a musician, and he's the businessman. He doesn't tell me what to play. I don't tell him what to do with his money." Uh huh. Clouseau says, "It is your monkey, and therefore it is your mini." <laughs> but the blind guy's like. No, he's not my monkey. He just showed up at my house one day. We're just roommates. We live together. Yeah. Nice for his own room and board. Yeah. <laughs> With all this money that he makes from the music that I'm playing. It's very round in circles, but it's pretty hilarious. Well, while all this is happening and we're trying to figure out who owns whom, mm-hmm. the bank is being robbed. Yeah. So he the... The guy with the accordion is sitting in front of the bank window. Yeah. And so as they're talking, we see everything that's happening in the bank behind them. And this car pulls up and these men pile out and they all have guns and they're waving them around and everybody inside, like one person's even banging on the window. Yeah. And the monkey like looks and is like, uh. you know, and like <laughs> right. nobody reacts. Nope. And then they run out. He tells the monkey man, all right, I'm just going to give you a warning this time. Yeah, well, because he's like, okay, well, then if the monkey is the one making the money, then he's the then it's the monkey who is breaking the law. <laughs> but he says, you know, I'm the, <laughs> the blind guy is like, how do you know so much about the law? Yeah. Are you some sort of police officer? Yeah. But he's like, what a stupid question. Are you blind? And he goes, yes. <laughs> he's like, yes. oh, my bad. So he's feeling a little bit like embarrassed, I think. And he's like, okay, well, yeah, I'm a police officer. Uh, hopefully I'll get to be a detective again soon. I'd yeah. like to be reinstated. Yeah. So in that case, I will let you off with a warning. <laughs> he's like, make sure you get the proper license. And the guy's like, yep, no problem. So then the bank robbers run out and get into the car. And as Clouseau goes to walk off, he like helps them because they've dropped some of the money. He picks they it up. And he's like, oh, don't forget. Money. Yeah. Hands it to them. And then the bank manager comes running out and pulls out his gun and is opening fire on these bank robbers. And Clouseau is like, oh, no, a weapon and hits him over the head with his nightstick. Yes. And well done. The chief inspector is understandably mad about this. He's mad. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he calls him an idiot. Uh-huh. And Clouseau says, listen, I didn't know the bank was being robbed. I was engaged in my sworn duty as a police officer. I would like to know the bank was being robbed. That's <laughs> so much fun. Yeah, the chief explains that the blind man was the lookout. That is impossible. He was blind. <laughs> How can a blind man be a lookout? How can an idiot be a policeman? Answer me that. Well, it's very simple. He just enlists. God. <laughs> <laughs> But Dreyfus is like, Dreyfus? Dreyfus. Chief Inspector Dreyfus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dreyfus is like, listen, I'm suspending you without pay for the next six months, effective immediately. Do you have anything to say? Get out of my office. (laughs) Uh, Could you loan me 50 francs? (laughs) So he 
Clouseau walks out. He's very sad. Yeah. He walks out right as Francois is walking in, and Francois is, like, the chief inspector's assistant. Mm-hmm. And as Francois walks in, he comes in to say, hey, I just got off the phone. Clouseau is to be reinstated as an inspector effective immediately. Mm-hmm. And Dreyfus is like, I just got rid of him. Like, he sucks. No, like, please. Yeah. I just got him out of my hair. He drives me insane. He's a terrible police officer. Mm-hmm. I don't want to reinstate. Who said we had to reinstate him? The commissioner? Give me the commissioner on the phone. Right. So the- he gets on the phone. Yeah. To which he learns that the Shah of Lugash is the one who is like, I want that guy. Yeah. Get him here now. Yep. Yeah. And so he can't say no to that. Right. Yeah, and so Dreyfus pulls out a cigarette and, and this running gag that happens throughout this movie that Which is just remembered. like, <sighs> yeah, terrifying. One of those things that, like in The Rescuers, where my mom was like, yeah, don't don't point guns at your face, okay? Yeah. Like, please, it's not funny. It's funny in this movie. It's not funny in real life. Right. Um, Pulls out a lighter that looks exactly like a gun, and Francois is like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, it's a, it's a gift my wife got me. Look at it. And, you know, it's a lighter. And he's like, oh, that's very clever, sir. It's frightening realistic. And he's like, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and he lights a cigarette with it. Mm-hmm. He gets on the phone. He talks for a while. He talks to the to his assistant, to Francois. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to light another cigarette. Yeah, which I'm the, like, what happened to the other one? <laughs> end of all this, I know. Unless it went out. I don't know. They do appear to be hand-rolled, so maybe they don't stay lit. Oh, I don't know anything about cigarettes. As long? Honestly. But he goes to light another cigarette, and he nearly shoots his own face off. Uh-huh. Because it was the real gun this time. Yeah. Get it. Yikes. So then we see Clouseau heading home, carrying his groceries. Looking sad. Looking very sad. He's walking through his apartment building and he passes his neighbor's front door where her paper is like laying in front of her door. Mm -hmm. And he sees the headline that says that the Pink Panther has been stolen again. So he picks it up to read it. And she opens the door and he says, good evening. But she just reaches in his bag of groceries and takes his baguette and hits him over the head with it. Which he doesn't react to. Does not react at all. He just says... Good evening, I was just looking at your paper, and it says here, and then she grabs his paper, hits him in the head with that, and then goes back in her apartment, and then he just goes, evening, and walks back <laughs> to his apartment. So then he gets inside, and he's looking for Kato. Yeah. Who is, I don't know, Kato's job title. I know, like, does he, I wonder if he is explained more in the first movie? Maybe. Because he kind of seems like an assistant. Yeah. But he's not in the movie very much. No. And I can't imagine that Clouseau can honestly afford an assistant. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I do wonder what the dynamic is here. Because he does, like, answer the phone for him, and he, yeah. like, cooks for him. We find out later, you mm-hmm. know, so he's just kind of like, yeah, like a house assistant he sort of guy. He's just around. Yeah. And he also <laughs> keeps him on his feet. Yep. At all times. Yeah. Because, so Clouseau walks in, he's looking for Cato, he can't find him, he's like, okay, I guess he must not be here. Yeah, he starts putting his groceries away. Yeah, because he, he walks around the apartment a little bit, like, ready. He's, like, on edge. Yeah, he's got, he's got his, his hands up. His little karate hands ready. Yeah. He, like, walks slowly through a room and then jumps through a door frame. Yeah. Jumps through the beaded curtain. Mm-hmm. Okay, no Cato. He's not here. Right. So then he goes to start putting the groceries away. He opens the fridge door. Out pops Cato. Covered in Frost ice. in his eyebrows. Yeah. <laughs> in his hair. Screaming. And Cato, like, attacks him, and they fight for a while and smash a lot of things in his apartment. So many things get broken. So many things. In the midst of it... The phone rings. The phone rings. And Cato, they, like, stop what they're doing immediately, and Cato picks up the phone very calmly. Mm -hmm. And then tells Clouseau that it's the chief inspector, and the chief inspector tells him that he is to be reinstated immediately. Mm -hmm. Get down here to my office right away. Yes. So he's like, okay. 
And then <laughs> Cluso tells him, you know, Keto, your freezer ambush ploy. I really congratulate you. It was very, very good. But Keto, your fly is undone. And Keto goes to look at his fly and Cluso kicks him in the face. <sighs> <laughs> So anyway, then we get, like, we cut a little bit. Kato's, like, cleaning him up, helping him get ready, because they're covered in, like, plaster and shit from fighting right. around the apartment and smashing so many things. Yeah, and everything gets a little too broken. Yeah. Which I'm sure is part of the joke. Yeah. You know, some things, like, like they didn't even touch. Yeah. Just kind of fall off the wall for right. no reason. A yeah. whole shell. You're just like, you weren't even anywhere near it, but it's a very uh, yeah. unstable apartment, I guess. <laughs> this place is falling apart. So while he's doing that, Someone rings his doorbell, Mm -hmm. and he goes to answer it, and he's explaining to Kato, you know, what makes a really good detective is your instincts. You have to, I know right away when I'm in danger and when something bad is going to happen. And as he's explaining this, he walks over, answers the door. There's just like a very shadowy person standing there, hands him a lit bomb, and he's like, oh, thank you. Closes the door, (laughs) walks back into his apartment, is holding it for a little bit. Kato is immediately just like staring at it like, whoa. And then it takes him a second to realize, and then it blows up. Yep. Sending Cluso into his neighbor's apartment yes. through the wall, and she just starts hitting him with a pillow. Yep. She doesn't even, like, react, really, to her wall exploding. No, she's, she's more just, just like, oh, Cluso is in Oh, it's you. I'm, I must punch you him. in the face. Yeah. I, I think we should take a small moment uh-huh. to acknowledge yeah. the racism. Yes. Absolutely. Because I was taken aback. It's, Yeah. It's pretty rough. The way that Cluso talks to Cato is extremely racist, extremely mm. inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I know it's 1975, yeah, but it's still just like not acceptable. No. I feel like luckily he isn't in this movie very much, but anytime yeah. he comes up, he has to use a word for him. Like he Yeah. He can't just refer to him as Cato. He has to call him something that is inappropriate. Right. That we're not going to repeat because we don't want to just keep perpetuating stupid stereotypes. Sure. But I just didn't want to act like we didn't hear it. Right. It's definitely there. Because <laughs> it was bad. And it it's such a bummer because yeah. it's like, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. But it also could be, it's just like, you could just have this interesting character of Kato who lives in his house and it's like his paid as- assistant. Yeah. Whatever. Who they just fight all the time. Yeah. You just. That's funny enough. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't need. There's just a little bit. It goes a little too far where you're like, ah, well, okay. It's the seventies. That sucks. Ugh, yeah. It does suck. But anyway. Anyway. Cluso is back at the office. Mm-hmm. I guess he didn't have any clothes to change into. Because... Well, he had to go to the office immediately. <laughs> Plus his apartment blew up. Yeah, that's true. He looks singed. Yeah, he's still smoking. Yes. He must <laughs> look close standing by. There. He's explaining to Dreyfus that the underworld is trying to kill him. It's like, the world knows the moment that I get a case, they're after me. Mm-hmm. But Dreyfus is like, that's dumb. Yep. <laughs> I hate he's you. Like, I don't care. Also, I hate you. Just get out of my, get out of my sight. I don't want to look at you. He's so mad that he has to deal with this guy. He just got rid of him. Yep. Now he's got to deal with him again. Get the fuck out of my office. So yeah, they, they start arguing... To the point where the inspector gets so worked up mm-hmm. that he pulls out a gun. Yeah. And goes to shoot him. Yeah. But it turns out that it's just the lighter again. Yes. And Clouseau is like, oh, thank God. And yeah. And picks up a cigarette and lights it. Mm-hmm. And then they, he just keeps talking. Yep. He's, you know, he's like, oh, my instincts told me that there was nothing to worry about, even though you were pointing a gun at me. And I, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be a problem. Yep. He says, okay, well, I got to get out of here, but I'll be at your service night or day. You can call me. Whenever. Anything you need from me, just call me. Mm-hmm. Let me know. 
Uh, there is a bit of a time difference from France and Lugash, so that's unfortunate. We'll have to work around that. And he goes to check his watch, and he says, hmm, my watch seems to have stopped. Must have been the explosion. Which I just love, because he's so very nonchalant about it. Like, he's yeah. just like, oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. I, I was holding a bomb early. <laughs> right, <laughs> my, I got exploded. My watch seems to have stopped. So then Dreyfus, as he's walking out of the office, as Clouseau is walking out, Dreyfus picks up his real gun. Mm-hmm. And tries to shoot him again, mm-hmm. and nothing happens. Just click, click, click. Yeah. So he's like, oh, you must be out of fluid. If you like, I would fill it for you. Yeah. And he's like, get, just get out. Just go. He yeah. tries to shoot him again. Nothing happens. As he's walking out of the door, he's like, you need a new flint. And then he leaves. Yeah. And then uh, Dreyfus is staring at it, because he's like, no, I know this is the real gun, because I I had the lighter, and so then I grab it, and he's just yeah. like looking at it. He like bangs it on the table a couple of times, and shoots himself in the face. Yep. So and- then... Francois runs in uh-huh. and is like, are you, what happened? Yeah, and he's hiding behind his desk. He says, don't just stand there, idiot. Call a doctor and then help me find my nose. <laughs> Why are you so good at that? I've seen this movie a thousand times. God. I would like to take a second. Yeah, let's take a second. To say, to direct Flubber directly. <laughs> yes. And say, this is how you do open, this is how you do absent-minded. Yeah. You know, like, he is still a danger but mostly only to himself and you're not like he's like absent-minded but you're not worried about him you know someone hands him a bomb and it takes him a second to realize but it only takes him a second it doesn't take him a full 20 minutes of him standing there with other people being like hey what you know well they exist in the same universe too though i think because a bomb exploded in his hands and he's fine also yes yeah A bowling ball could land on his head and he would be fine. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, he's not, he's able to hold a conversation. He remembers, he knows what his job is. He knows, you know, how to get to his job. And he remembers all these things. He remembers that he helped recover the Pink Panther last time. And he, so he remembers the pertinent things. He is just so wrapped up in what he's talking about that he doesn't notice the things right in front of him. Mm -hmm. And he's an idiot. And it takes him a second. And he's an idiot. But he's not, he, he can function in the world. Yeah. You know? So it's just like sort of. It's just a focus problem. He his is more. He's just clumsy. Yeah, and people just hate him, and bad things just and happen I think he to just him. Has bad luck. I think he has a punchable face. Yes, but but I mean, just in in the instance, you know, the bomb he doesn't where need he's to, like, like have a brain scan, right? Like he's just so wrapped up in talking about how great his instincts are yeah. that it takes him a minute to realize what he's holding. Yes, but it's not like. Do you remember that you're getting married tomorrow? Yeah later today yeah yeah so anyway he's absent-minded philip brainerd is needs to be hospitalized yeah in need of medical attention. <laughs> so then we get cluso he's in the museum in lugash yes he's following sharky and the chief of police but mm-hmm. walks the entirely wrong direction yep and they're like hey well yeah, this way we're going this way buddy yeah and they try to warn him that if he like crosses the threshold He's going to set the alarm off, Mm -hmm. but he interrupts them and is like, no, I prefer to look at the scene without any information Mm -hmm. so that it can just, I can just process it as I go or whatever. Right. And they're like, but the security measures. And he's like, I'm sure are very good, but clearly not good enough. Right. And he walks right through them, which I'm like, I mean, I get that it's a joke, but sometimes you just have to interrupt people. Don't let them interrupt you, chief of police. Just be like, hey, I'm trying to tell you that this will go off if you walk through it or grab him on the arm. They just let him walk through it. But they're also kind of like, you know what? Fine. You know what you're talking about? Go. Yeah, so he walks into the room. The door slams down behind him. It takes him a second. Mm -hmm. And then he turns around and karate chops it. Yeah. (laughs) But then 
obviously somebody on the other side has said to disengage Uh and it goes back up and then he walks back in and then it sets it off again and yeah yeah they try to stop him he holds up his hand and he's like oh just so very kind of you to welcome me (laughs) it's just like dude Uh, so then he's like is there any way to of going in and out of this door without this happening every time and they're like yes deactivate the alarm which i'm like you could have done that before right why didn't you do that before yeah but they send him in to investigate the crime scene. Mm-hmm. He sees the glove and he's like, ah, so we meet again. Mm-hmm. He gets fingerprint powder out of his suitcase, yep. but just like dumps it yeah. absolutely everywhere. Yep. Um, Sharky and the chief are watching him, not helping. They're just standing there watching him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tries to use his magnifying glass, but the glass falls out. Yeah. So I mean, even things like this, like it's not necessarily that he's clumsy or dumb. Like all of his shit just falls apart all the time too. It's just yeah, like he's, he's, he's just, just inept in every way. Right. But then he sees the wire that the thief used to pull themselves across the floor, and that's when the chief explains, you know, yeah, he he pulled himself across the floor, and he's like, oh, ingenious. But he must have had he would have had to have a very slippery floor in order to do that. Right. And he says, yes, therefore the wax. And Cluso goes, the wax? Ah! And it's just, <laughs> it's like... You remembered this part. Too. This is my favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah. But it's just how he, he just kind of deadpan, like, he's just walking, and then he goes, ah! And then, whoop! <laughs> there he goes, falls yeah. down, and then, yeah. you know, of course, they're like, are you, um... All right. <laughs> <laughs> and then what does Cluso say? Of course I am all right. I'm examining the wax. <laughs> so, you know, that's when he's like, we, we gotta... He starts sniffing the floor, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm down here on purpose. Duh. I didn't fall down on this Wix. Wix? Wix is not just Wix. Many different kinds of Wix. But he, this is when he reveals, he's like, it's the Phantom. We're looking for the Phantom. He's left his glove. He yeah. stole it last time. You know, yeah. it's Sir Charles Lytton is who we're looking yeah, for. Yeah. And if you, if you do inspect this wax, it'll be English wax. There are different types of wax, whatever. Yes. He Your says, thief is an Englishman. He is Sir Charles Phantom. The Notorious Lytton. <laughs> which is a thing that he does for the whole movie. Uh-huh. Just mixes up his words. Yep. He picks us up one of the metal arms, which of course collapses and smacks him in the junk. Mm-hmm. And he goes, his calling card! Referring to the glove. Yeah. Then he's like, four years ago, Sir Charles vanished, and he's promised to give up his life of crime, but I knew it would only be a matter of time before he came back around. Mm-hmm. This glove is proof, because that's his calling card. So, yep. I mean, we just, you know. This yeah. is how we know that it was him. That's the whole point. Yes, you didn't really need me here to tell you that. Nope, anybody could have told you that. Anyway, we just have to go find him. So we're on a plane. Mm-hmm. The Lady Lytton has landed. Yeah. She has a fudge pop. Yeah, I had to pause the movie and go get one. <laughs> I've been thinking about fudge pops since you got those and now I want some. <laughs> Mine are very difficult to eat. Tiny aside, audience, <laughs> on the way home from our vacation, we tried to save the box of fudge pops that I bought by putting them in a cooler they all melted, and then I threw them back in the freezer. So now they're in very avant-garde shapes with a stick in the middle of them somewhere. Yes. And they're difficult to eat, but they still taste just as great. Hell yeah. So. So she is eating a fudge pop that looks normal. <laughs> and gets in a car with a man. And the driver shows her the newspaper. And she's like, yeah, has he seen it? Oh, yeah. And the driver's like, no, I thought you'd like to tell him. So she's yeah. like, okay, great. Yeah. So we don't know exactly who they're talking about, but right. I feel like we can guess. Yeah, so they pull up in the car to this big house. Mm-hmm. She's sneaking through the yard. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when they're this big, you have to refer to them as the grounds. Oh, true. It's not just yeah. the yard. Yeah, she sneaks through the grounds of this giant house mm-hmm. and comes upon this man who is painting. And he's like behind the canvas and she like pops up over the top of it. Yeah. 
and they he, smooch. Yeah, and he's like, I have had a breakthrough. My beautiful painting. Look mm-hmm. at it. She, it's so good. He's like... <laughs> miraculous. In fact, he's like, you can't look at it yet. The impact will be too great. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, just let me see it. And he's yeah. like, okay. So she looks at it, and it just says dull on it. In a yep. bunch of different fonts and colors and directions. Over and over again. He says, what do you think? Yeah, and she says, you know what? I think I came back just in time. Yeah. He's clearly losing his mind. Yes. And now they're in a pool. Yeah. And she jumps in. And Charles is in a float in the pool. Char- this is Sir Charles Lytton, the yes. notorious phantom. Right. Sitting in a float in his pool, reading the newspaper about the Pink Panther having been stolen. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, well, what do you think about that? But his wife, Claudine Lytton... Mm-hmm. is not impressed yeah she says i think you didn't just spend your time painting while i was gone yeah i think you stole it yeah and he's like what well, uh, uh, wh- wh- how, da- how dare you madam <laughs> madam <laughs> he's like you he calls her a little beast actually yeah he's like i told you four years ago that i was going straight i wasn't stealing things anymore and i've been faithful to you ever since and how dare you how dare you Right. So jest. And she's like, I'm teasing you, darling. Clearly, though, there is an imposter. Yeah. And, you know, the police are going to think that you did it. Mm-hmm. I know that you didn't do it, but the police are going to think that you did. And he's like, by God, you're right. What do I do? Yeah. This, at this point, he's like, well, shit, I have to catch the real thief mm-hmm. or they're going to just arrest me. Yeah. So he's like, it's fine. I'll figure it out. Don't yeah. worry. I can take care of myself. Yep. Flips his little boat that he's in. Yeah. I just have to say at this point. Uh huh. His wig is so bad. Is it? Yeah. I see. I didn't notice, but I'm. I don't focus on hair as much. It's like you can. It isn't just like the wig itself, but it's like the way it's blended. You can see it all around his hairline for the whole movie. Oh. It's a different color from his skin. Oh, I've literally never noticed. Yeah, and I was just like, "Come on, just <laughs> put the bangs over it or something." Come you on. know, like yeah. Anyway, he's such a handsome man too. He's fine. Well. <laughs> So classically handsome. <laughs> I don't know. It's Christopher Plummer. There's just something about him that it's like, hey, handsome. Yeah, yeah. They're, this guy, Mac, that like is their driver and lives in their house and whatever, is just kind of watching the whole time. Yeah. He's just hanging out there. Yeah. But he brings three champagne glasses out too. So he's like drinking champagne yeah. with them. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's just their boyfriend. Honestly, I could... I said it at some point in the notes where I'm like, I could get behind this kind of... Like, Cluso and Cato's living quarters are too small it's a very small apartment and they live very close together and kato like helps him get dressed which is too much i'm like i can do that myself right but having a guy like mac around where they just seem to be friends yeah like they seem to enjoy talking to him it's kind of like um what's her name from the parent trap yeah Yeah. jesse yeah yeah where he's just he's kind of there Mm -hmm. but he also does the unpleasant things like driving and i'm unpleasant right driving or like answering the door and, like, being yes. a tall, imposing figure to be like, what is it that you need? Yes. I could get behind that. Because yeah. they genuinely seem to enjoy his company and, like, talking to him, you know, like, And both they're of not them. hiding anything from him. Yeah. He knows who Charles is. Right. You know. So I'm like, yeah, I like uh, I like this arrangement. You need a giant house with a man like Mac who just lives in it. It's just kind of around. Yeah. So Charles is leaving. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye, Charles. So we see Clouseau is in Nice. Yes. And he's talking to the chief of police in Nice. And he's like, it's of the utmost importance that no one knows that I'm here. Mm-hmm. But we all we see that someone is watching Clouseau through the window in binoculars yes. from the building across the street. Mm-hmm. But they do this weird mirroring thing where he like sits down and then he puts his hands on the desk and the chief like puts his hands on the desk mm-hmm. and then he stands up and they both stand up and like lean towards each other. But he's like, I have a very important question that only you can answer. Does Sir Charles Litton have a swimming pool? 
cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a running gag of the way he pronounces things, and every now and then somebody gets caught up on it. Yeah. Of being like, <laughs> so then we go back to the Lytton mansion. Yes. And Charles is leaving. Charles is gone. Bye, Off Charles. to find the thief. Yes. Claudine watches him go, standing on the veranda. Here comes Clouseau mm-hmm. in a fake beard, mm-hmm. driving a clunky red truck. I know. He has such bad luck. It's true. He's heading down the road. Mm-hmm. Charles and Mac are headed the opposite way. They don't see each other. Charles has a bunch of passports with him. And he's like, I'm just going to go to Lugash under a fake name. Mm-hmm. Clouseau n- nearly runs into them, which forces him down like this narrow side street where he tries to hit the brakes and they don't work. Right. And then he pulls out the emergency brake. It just comes out. Yep. And then he goes down this little hill and just lands in a pool. Yep. That people are sitting around. <laughs> yeah. Just crashes the whole truck. The truck on the side into says pool. like pool servicing. Acme pool service. Yeah. Or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Which is, it's just like sinking into the pool, which is pretty funny. Yep. So then we see a sniper rifle being assembled by anonymous hands. And someone brings the rifle to the window and is looking through the scope. And again, we see Clouseau standing in the window of the police chief's office. Mm-hmm. Like half his beard is missing and yeah, he looks like very bedraggled. Off. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's just gotten out of the pool. Yeah. And he says, the chief of police says, I have a report. Some, You know, we checked that truck and someone has trifled with your brakes yeah and Clouseau is like this is the second attempt on my life since i started this case someone is trying to get me yeah actually he says this is the second attempt on my life since i've started this case because he has like a cold and he says now i have caught now i have (laughs) what yeah he's trying to say that he's caught a cold and as he sneezes the person with the sniper rifle takes a shot and explodes the chief of police bowl of fruit and they both just look at it yeah the chief says gesundheit so now, Clouseau <laughs> is in the tiniest yellow truck. It's so If it's one person, it has three wheels. It's so little. It's making, like, too much noise. Yeah. It's just so, it's like a motorcycle with, like, a box on it, basically. Like, yes. it's not even, can't even call it a truck, but it is no. so cute. Yeah, now he's pretending to be a telephone repairman. Mm-hmm. With a new fake beard. Mm-hmm. And tiny little glasses. Yeah, and, like, a little leather hat. Yes. Yeah, he... Again, very 70s. He's yeah. wearing, like, a velvety purple shirt. Yeah, like, open throat, buttoned yeah, halfway. big collar. Yeah. So he shows up once again at the Lytton residence. Yes. Pushes the doorbell, and then it just <laughs> continues to ring. This is pretty funny. And so he's trying to get it to stop. He's yeah. like, pushing on it, trying to pull it out. He gets his little... He starts, like, banging on it with his fist. Won't yeah. Won't stop ringing. He has a tool uh, bag, and he pulls out a hammer... And yeah. it. that doesn't work. So he pulls out a screwdriver and takes the face of it off. Yeah. And he starts like poking it. And then he pulls all the wires out. Yes. And he just keep they just keep coming. Yeah. He's like five or six feet away from the door at this yeah. point with all of these wires. Which is funny. I do kind of wish they had just kept it going though. Like and instead of him backing away, just standing there and just pulling and pulling and pulling yeah, and pulling. Yeah, he's and pulling got like ten like, feet of cord like wrapped in his hand. Yeah. No, just piling around his feet. <laughs> till he gets so far, and then he just looks at the camera. That would have been good. Yeah, I'm rewriting this movie right now. Okay, I'm just kidding. Um, yes, it and it's it still won't stop. Uh huh. So then Mac answers the door mm-hmm. finally, and Clouseau is standing like five feet from the door, holding all these wires, holding the face of the doorbell. Mm-hmm. Looks at Mac, pulls his hammer back out of his pocket, smacks the face in his hand, and it stops ringing. Yep. And then he wraps it all up, hands it all to Max's. I have fixed your doorbell from the ringing. 
there is no church. Max just like, what? Yeah, great. What do you want? <laughs> so he explains he's from the telephone company. And there's something the matter with your fin. My fin? Yes, your fin. Oh, phone. <laughs> yes, phone. this is what I've been saying. Right. You like digs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dogs. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Max I'm... like, the phone works just fine. Yeah, what are you talking about? And Clues, I was like, listen, I know when there's trouble, and there's trouble with the phone. Mm-hmm. It was reported. Yes. And Max says, well, what is it? What's the trouble? And Clouseau says, if I knew that, I could simply call you up and tell you what the trouble was. Yes. And then Claudine appears behind Mac and is like, what's the trouble? Mm-hmm. He says, allow me to introduce myself. I am Emile Freneuil, <laughs> communications expert and chief troubleshooter for the, ni- for the Nice Telephone Company. Yes. And she She's allows like, him in. Yeah. But she knows who he is yeah. immediately. Yeah. And is just like giggling She's whenever like, he's not looking. Yeah. Kind of hiding behind the door. She's like, oh, please come in, you know? And then she's like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so Cluso <laughs> is the- now standing between like Mac and the doorbell. And so the wires are in the way. Yeah. So he just pulls out his little wires, cutters and clips them. It's just like, dude. <laughs> God. Yeah. And then he goes in the house. Uh-huh. He walks to a small table. Mm-hmm. Pushes a phone out of the way, mm-hmm. sets his tool bag down, and says, where is your nearest phone? <laughs> Max, like, it's right there. <laughs> he looks at it and jumps. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I was like, man, if they had rebooted... I know they did reboot the movies with Steve Martin, and I didn't see them. I haven't either. I'm but, like, good. Robin Williams would be so great as this character. Yeah, he would. I guess the problem would be that he would be too good and that he would be undercover and he would like his accents would be too good. Part of the hilarity is that. But he's good at also being bad at accents. Like That's we talked true. about in Death to Smoochie when he just kept switching back and forth between accents. That's true. But it's just the, you know, the thing that Clouseau keeps trying to go undercover and he looks exactly the same and he sounds exactly the same. Right. But I mean, just the way that he's like, I just feel like Robin Williams would have really shown in this role. Yeah, I agree. Of- being slapsticky, being able to improvise, because I think Peter Sellers does a lot of impro- improvisation in this role. Yeah. And being being absent-minded in a role that doesn't make you worry about the character and would have really let him, like, explore. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, absent-minded would in have, a fun way, not a sad way. Exactly. I would yes. have liked to see it. He picks up the telephone and sniffs it, and he says, no, this will not do. I need a different phone. This phone will not do at all. <laughs> so Lady Lytton says... Would you please show Monsieur Flournoy into Sir Charles's office? Yes. Show him the, the phone in the study. So he goes in there. He says, I hope you locate the trouble, monsieur. He says, madam, it is my business to locate trouble. And he then looks- he walks straight into a wall. And he says, well, there's no trouble back there. <laughs> I included way too many quotes in my notes just because I love the way that he talks. I know. That, I mean, that's the funniest part. Yeah. Of the movie. Max starts to try and help him out if you should require anything. He says... Yes. Monsieur, all I require is a telephone, my little bag of tools, and some privacy in which to work. That is all I require. Claudina's just, like, cracking up out of <laughs> his line of sight. He's losing it. Yeah. So once he's alone, he goes into the office, he unscrews the mouthpiece of the phone, which he drops immediately under the desk, and instead of just walking around the desk, he crawls under it to get to it, and he gets stuck, because this is the smallest desk I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you could even get your legs in there. I don't know either. But he gets stuck because it's tiny. There's a tube of glue on the table, which rolls into a chair. Mm-hmm. This is very funny. Because yeah. Because he's, he's stuck in the part where you put your knees. Uh-huh. And he's kind of, like, crawling around with it attached to him. Yeah. But then he, like, flips over. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, like, a fucking turtle, like, prone <laughs> right. on his back. 
And it's just, he figures out a way to, like, flip again and free himself. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we see in the other room, Claudine tells Mac to pick up a phone when she tells him to. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I think part of what makes this scene so good is that there's no music. Yeah. And there's not even, I mean, there's not really any dialogue. You know, Clouseau's not talking to himself. No one's talking to him. There's, yeah, there's no, there, the only sound, this is almost a silent film, except mm-hmm. for that we hear, like, stuff hitting the floor. Right. Or him going, Bleh! every yeah. once in a while. <laughs> but it's just him silently struggling to get himself unstuck from this desk. Yes. And it's, it's just played so straight that it. I mean, that's why he does the whole, he plays everything up. so I know. straight the whole movie, which does make it funnier. Yeah, I, I agree. I a small complaint that I do have is that I do like the shtick yeah. of him getting himself into situations, mm-hmm. you know, and having to try and get out. And, you know, there's not a lot of dialogue. It's just him struggling. Yeah. It just happens so much. And yeah. some of the scenes are so long. Yeah. That I'm like, okay, get it. Yeah. <laughs> They're almost going for that where it's like, okay, this has happened so long that you need it almost needs to go on longer. Yeah, to be so funny that you again. Get back to the yeah, yeah, like oh my god, I can't believe this is still happening. But right. they're they're not quite long enough. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes they should just be shorter, and sometimes they should be longer. Yeah, these are they're like each one of these is like medium length. Yeah, it's just like a little too long, but not quite. Yeah, agree. Anyway, he's trying to put the desk back together mm-hmm. and rearrange the things back on it. Yes, and as he's doing so, the phone rings. Uh huh. So he picks it up and he sits down in the chair. Mm-hmm. To listen to the conversation that's happening. Yes. The conversation that is happening is he hears Claudine talking to someone named Raymond, we assume. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm taking the five o'clock plane to Switzerland. I will meet you at the Palace Hotel in Gestad. She's being very deliberate. Yeah. Very clear. Do you have the merchandise? Yes. And we see that Mac, obviously, is the one on the other phone. And he just keeps going, see... Yeah. And it reminds me of the scene in Hot Fuzz where Simon Pegg has picked up the phone and he's just like, Yarp. Yarp. <laughs> Narp. Narp. <laughs> but yeah, so she's saying, you know, like, very slowly, very clear. Yeah. I also really like saying, Gestad. Yes. That's a good word. Yeah. Yeah. So they hang up the phone. Clouseau hangs up the phone. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, I have some information. My undercover went well. And he goes to stand up. But the chair comes with him. Yeah. Because he's been glued to it. Yeah. Because he sat on the glue. I could use some glue that binds fabric to fabric this quickly. Yeah. And this well. could stop sewing up the fly of my favorite pants. (laughs) You could just glue them closed. Because I could just glue it shut forever. Yeah. Yeah. He stands up. The chair comes with him. Max starts knocking on the door. Yeah. And in this moment, he's like, Inspector? So they don't even bother to be like... We yeah, don't telephone. Oh, man. Yeah, you work. He's just like Inspector, right. but Clouseau is so distraught that he doesn't realize. Yeah, he's like, "Don't come in. I'm making delicate adjustments. Mm-hmm. Cannot be distracted." Yeah, he takes his pants off, which he instead of like trying to do it sitting down or laying down, he tries to do it standing up. Yeah, which makes it even worse. So yeah, he has a really hard time. Yeah, falls on his face, loses a shoe, <laughs> and then he gets the pants off the chair, mm-hmm. rips a section of the chair fabric off. Yes. Still connected to his pants, puts uh-huh. his pants on backwards. Yeah. Somehow. Right. Covers the chair with the newspaper that was on the desk. Mm-hmm. Mac the whole time is just like, sir, hey. Right. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, yeah. let me in. He's like, I'm not to be disturbed. The delicate adjustments, you know. Like, yeah. One moment, please. He locks the door at some point and Mac's like, oh, what the fuck? All right. But then he finally uh, gets his pants on backwards, gets mm-hmm. all of his things, leaves, 
Well, opens yep. the door to leave. He says, well, just as I surmised, your phone was broken, but I fixed it. Mm-hmm. Gotta go make my report. Bye. Yep. And as he's driving back in his teeny tiny little yellow truck, his brakes fail again. And he ends up going backwards down the same road he was on before and right into the same pool, just as they're taking the red truck out of the pool with a crane. Bloop! In goes the yellow truck. Yep. Chief Inspector Dreyfus is on the phone with the authorities in Nice. Francois is in the room and he says, well, Clouseau has already destroyed two trucks in a swimming pool. Yep. He's on his way to Gestad. Yes, he says- Soon it will be burnt to the ground or something. Yeah, he's like, today a beautiful Swedish paradise vacation destination, tomorrow a wasteland. Right. And then he goes to light a cigarette and Francois's like, be careful, you know, because he's yeah. shot his nose off the last time he did this. Uh-huh. And Dreyfus is like, no, it's fine. I remembered to put the real gun in the bottom drawer. Yeah. See? And he shoots Francois. <laughs> yep. He just points it at him and we hear off screen Francois go, Ugh! and yeah. then hit the ground with a thud. Uh. This guy also, lots of bad luck. Francois? I know. No, Dreyfus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Dreyfus needs to take a vacation. vacation. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, he is losing it. Yeah. So, now we're in Gestad. We are. We see Lady Lytton get off the train, and Clouseau attempts to follow her with some difficulty, you know, trying to get his suitcase down, open someone else's suitcase, a bunch of stuff falls out of it, he's having a hard time, he misses the exit to the train. He just, you know, really struggles to do anything ever. Yeah, he does. And he runs up to a taxi driver, Mm -hmm. shows him his police ID and some money, and he says, follow that car. Uh Uh-huh. But as he's getting into the backseat, the taxi driver gets out. Yeah. And runs after her. Just starts running after, just starts following the car on foot. Right. So it's, yeah, it's not only that Clouseau is clumsy and dumb, but he also just has terrible luck in that he encounters these other people who are not helpful. Yes. And are also clumsy and or dumb or whatever. So it's just like, man, it's just the whole world is against this man yeah. on so many levels. So then, you know, we see Claudine gets to the hotel. She talks to the concierge. He knows who she is. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's so nice to see you again. You know, we've got all your stuff, whatever, whatever. Cut back to Clouseau, who's walking down the street. He stops a man real quick. Yeah. He says, excuse me. Yes. Do you know the way to the Palace Hotel? Yes. <laughs> and the man he just, just keeps, keeps going. going. Yeah. <laughs> and he just... Clouseau's face is so, like, sad and resigned. Like, yeah. he knew it was going to happen mm. when he even started he already, the conversation. Yeah, had his head down. He's just like, great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, but he finally gets there. Mm-hmm. He sees Lady Lytton's car drive by, and the taxi driver is still just chasing after it. Yeah. Foot. Determined. He's going to get follow it. that car. He'll get it. He'll get there. So then the bellboy offers to take his bag, but he refuses. He says, this bag never leaves my hand. But of course, it does immediately because immediately. it's a revolving door. Yeah. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets kind of caught in it and he tries to go after the bag because it's in a different section of the door. So he's trying to figure out how to spin the door to get the bag. Right. And get in and out. Right. As soon as he almost gets it, another man comes through. And yeah. squishes him, which it's so rude. I know. It's like, you can see. It's it's all glass. You can see what's happening, dude. Just like, wait yeah. a second. This man is being squished every time you push on the door. Stop. Yeah. And he does not. No. But then finally the bellhop gra- grabs it and very, what's the word? I'm like, very disgruntled pushes it into his chest and is like, your bag, sir. Yeah. walks away. Yeah. And then immediately after that, a man walks up to him in the lobby of the hotel and says, you know, hello. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, monsieur. Or whatever. That's half Italian and half French. I don't know what language he's speaking. He says a scusi, so it must be Italian. But right, yeah. he says, you know, can I take your coat? Yeah. And Clouseau's like, oh, yes, of course, thank you. Takes off his coat, hands it to him. Your gloves? Yep. 
your hat? Yep. And he's like, yeah, hands him all these things. Then he's like, thank you. And then he just leaves he just with all of his shit. Right out the door. Clouseau puts his hat on. Turns around and sees him get in a car, yeah. putting on his hat and gloves. Yeah. And the guy waves at him and he waves back. Yep. And then he drives off. And he's just like, okay. <sighs> I mean, he asked, may I take your coat? He did. It was nice of him. So then Clouseau has to go talk to the concierge and he says, do you have a room? A room? <laughs> what <laughs> a room room yeah the concierge is being a dick to him he's like you said a room he says i know perfectly well what i said i said do you have a room oh a room oh yeah, yeah. Yes. yes that's what i've been saying yeah yeah and the concierge is like if you don't have a reservation like this is the busy season i i can't get you a room yeah we're very full right close i was like i'm an inspector on very important business mm-hmm. and the guy's like cool but i still don't have a room for you yeah we're still full police business or not yeah and there are people in the room so i can't help you right but they both lean forward at exactly the same time to be like listen buddy close says like kind of threatens to him he says i will be forced to have speaks with my superiors right and the concierge is like oh well in that case i guess we do have a room and he, like, gets a key out from under the desk. It's very dusty. And he, like, blows it off, all the dust off, in kind of in Clouseau's face. Yes. So he's got a room. Sir Charles Lytton mm-hmm. has landed in Lagash. Yay. He is playing the part of Dr. Tanny. Mm-hmm. A man in a white hat sees him and looks very confused, but then follows him. Yeah. He looks very nervous. Yes. He does. And sweaty. He's yeah. a very sweaty man. He is sweaty the whole time and very fidgety. Your favorite. My favorite. So Charles arrives in the hotel and he's like, you know, send my things up to my room. And then he walks to the hotel bar mm-hmm. and he kind of doesn't really sneak up. He just walks up behind this dude, but he waits until he's looking in the opposite direction right. so, so that, that he can sit down next to him without him seeing him. Yes. Because yeah. the guy is looking around nervously over mm-hmm. his shoulders every which way. Yep. And Charles is like, hey, buddy. Pepe. Pepe. Mm-hmm. Pepe. Pepe. Hey, Pepe. <laughs> Where can I find the fat man? Mm-hmm. And Peppy's like, I don't know. I worked in him. I haven't worked with him in forever. Yeah, I don't know. It beats me. Yeah. Around, I guess. Right. And Charles, But Charles, like, grabs his hand and starts squeezing it. And yeah. And he's like, you're breaking my finger. Yeah. So he says, he's at the salamander. Yep. So then we go to the salamander. Yep. I would assume. Yeah, I guess so. It's uh, a party. It's a party in there. Yeah. Loud music. Yeah. Dancing. Right scantily clad ladies yeah it's kind of strange because everyone's kind of s- just standing around yeah it is weird i don't know what I you would call a this dance floor sort of yeah but there's like only the ladies are dancing right i don't know it's weird there's yeah. also food yeah on tables maybe it's just a really cool restaurant i guess i would go there i'm not sure just a lounge yeah maybe it's a lounge. sort of thing anyways sir charles walks in mm-hmm Walks straight upstairs to the fat man's office, and we see that Peppy is there also. Yeah. Looking noivous. With a splint on his finger. Yes. And Charles, yeah, walks straight up to the office, doesn't even say anything to anybody. The two guys outside are like, oh, yeah, we know who you are. Let right, him we're in immediately. You. Yeah. Yeah. And the fat man is stoked to see Charles. He's like, oh, my friend, I have missed you. How have you been? You look so good. Yeah, have they like drink. hug and do the face kiss thing. Yeah. Yeah. Come in, sit down, tell me your woes. Mm-hmm. But, but first, yes, you should know, when we're done here, I expect you to hand over the Pink Panther, and yeah. my very buff mustachioed associates over there are going to take it from you. Yep. And he's like, uh, cool, I don't have it. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I didn't take it, and I don't have it. 
Yeah. And the fat man is like, all right, listen, I don't normally do violence, but in your case, I might have to. Yeah. And Charles is like, why? I didn't do nothing. Yeah. And the fat man is like, listen, the general is basically like scouring the country to find it, to find someone to blame. Mm-hmm. And he's using this as cover to hurt his political enemies, which are my friends. Mm-hmm. So I have to stop this. Whether or not you took the Pink Panther, if yeah. I turn you in, yeah. he will stop hurting people. Right. You're definitely the main suspect. Right. Because you took it last time. So if I hand you over, it'll stop. Right. So gonna have to do that. Yes. And Charles is like, yeah, that tracks. I bet you even <laughs> offered a reward. And the fat man's like, it's huge. You wouldn't even believe the bounty on your head right now. He's yeah. like, okay, well. And the the fat man says to his associates, he says, deliver the body to the colonel with my compliments, which yeah. is really dark. It is. But kind of funny. It is. And then he looks at Charles and says, I'm awfully sorry, old boy. Which means nothing, except that that phrase has lived in my brain rent free oh. for a long time yeah because i haven't watched this movie in forever and so i was like ah oh, that's where it's from there you so go it was very nice that that clicked into place for me yes whilst watching this i'm movie. glad we could put that together for you yeah thank you the purpose of our podcast mm-hmm. so they all kind of get up to leave amicably yeah it's it's so weird and this happens so many times throughout the movie where even though the fat man has just said yeah, I'm gonna have to kill you and take your body. Everyone's still being like polite. Yeah, yeah, I'm He's playing just like, like oh, being nonchalant. Yep. Let me finish my drink and I'll set it down, you yeah. know, and I'll get up and walk with you to the door. But as they're walking to the door, Charles is like, "Nope," and starts punching people, makes yeah. his escape. Yeah, falls out of a window, but he's okay. Yeah, he's fine. There's you know like a scene where there's a scuffle. He's running after, you know, this way and that way, evading yeah. goons, whatever. Manages to step on a bunch of Peppy's fingers as he runs out the door, jumps through a window. Gets away clean. Finally makes it back to his hotel where he shimmies up the balcony from the outside. Yep. And gets into his room and is like, all right, safe at last. Gonna change my clothes. Probably take a shower. Yep. But Colonel Shirky is there. Mm-hmm. And addresses him as Dr. Tanny. Mm-hmm. Even though we know that he knows that he knows who he is. Yeah. <laughs> Colonel Sharky is so, like, menacing. Because he's, like, very soft-spoken and smiley the whole time. Yeah. But he's also, like, waving a gun around half the time. And just being like, like, I'm going to murder you. The most reasonable person in this movie, though. Yeah. Like, the most in touch with reality. That's true. (laughs) Everyone else feels, like, very over-the-top character. Mm -hmm. And he just feels like the only normal person that is trying to just, like, get shit done. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. He's like, I mean, I gotta do it. But it's just the fact that he's smiling... The whole time. A yeah. little bit. Yeah. So, Charles says, yes, that's me, Dr. Taney. How can I help the head of the Lugash secret police? Mm-hmm. So they're all just kind of like, I know who you are. And he's like, I know who you are. Right. And Sharky's like, listen, I don't need a doctor. I need the help of the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And Charles says, you know, I didn't do it, but you don't want me to prove it right now because it's giving you this excuse to, like, clean up. The thugs and stuff. Yeah, basically confirms what the fat man had said, where he's like, you know, you're using this, yeah, to get rid of your political enemies and stuff. And Sharky's like, yep, unfortunately, we do have to return the diamond eventually because of its religious significance. But I would really rather it was later instead of sooner. Yes. Yeah. He's basically like, I know that you're here to find the thief, too, Mm -hmm. so that you don't get murdered. Yeah. Don't find it too soon. Yep. But also do find it. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> but you gotta help. You have to help us find it, and I know that you can because if you don't, we'll put you in jail. Right. Bye. So Cluso 
is at the pool in the Palace Hotel in Gestad. Mm-hmm. He sees the Lady Lytton, and mm-hmm. she sees him, and she smiles at him. Yeah. He, he thinks that she doesn't recognize him because he has on a fake mustache. Right. <laughs> but then he watches this girl jump in the pool so hard that he also falls in the pool. Yep. Well done, sir. Yeah. Then we see Chief Inspector Dreyfus in his psychiatrist's office talking about how much he hates Clouseau. The psychiatrist is like, oh, you hate him? And he's like, yes. Like, I hate him so much. And he's like, how much? And he's like, how much? How high is up? Yeah. And he's you know? like, oh, you want to kill him? Like, no. actually kill him? Yeah. I would love, oh my God, to kill him would be the just the greatest thing. It would just be, make me so happy. Yes. And the doctor's like, why don't you? And <laughs> whereas any normal person in their right mind would be like, I can't kill. That's not. You can't do that. Right. It's not allowed. Yeah. I'm not that type of... I'm not a murderer. I just think about killing him. Dreyfus is like, it's not that simple. I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't work that way. He has tried. He's not wrong. Right. But the doctor's like, no, I I mean, like, psychically. Right. Kill him. Yeah. Dreyfus is like, there's nothing I could do to him psychically that would damage him at all. Like, it'll just bounce right off of him. And, you know, he explains, like, I can't... I can't even relax. I can't sleep. I haven't slept in a week. I just lay in my bed thinking the same thoughts over and over again. And the yeah, doctor's and like, well, tell me, tell me Yeah, about let's it. let him out. Let's talk about what the thoughts are. Mm-hmm. He starts describing strangling Clouseau in such detail. Yes. And getting so carried away. Yes. That he chokes the doctor. Yes. And they never really explain if he's dead. No, because Dreyfus just kind of realizes what he's doing and releases his hands right away and is like, doctor. And we just hear him thump to his desk. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully he's fine. Because at this point, too, like, Francois is okay, but we don't know that yet. We haven't seen him again yet. Right. So I'm like, he's already killed two people. Yeah. I mean, I guess we this have to assume... This guy is more dangerous than Clouseau. He hasn't killed anyone. That's true. Uh, I guess we have to assume that Francois is okay because Dreyfus is not in jail. And he did shoot him point blank. He's the inspector, though. That's true. So then we see Colonel Sharkey. Yes. And the chief of police are talking to General Wadafi. And they're explaining, you know, we've... Sharkey is, like, explaining, we've met with Charles Lytton, mm-hmm. and he said he would cooperate. He went over all of the evidence that we had. Mm-hmm. We hooked him up to a lie detector test. He reviewed the footage from the museum of all the people that we had coming through. And we were like, these are our main suspects. This guy, this guy, this guy. I think they have three. Yeah. And they're like, he, it was the same every time where he said that he didn't recognize any of them. But anytime we showed him suspect number three, he got a little stressed. The lie yeah, detector see, said. Yeah. On the polygraph, his heartbeat increased. Mm -hmm. So they're like, every time it was this guy, suspect number three, this young man. And we see a picture of a guy in a beard, little glasses, Mm -hmm. hat. So then we see Charles again, walking through the streets of Lugash. Yeah, he he walks into a barber shop where Pepe is taking a nap. He's just kind of hanging out. Yeah. A lot of the businesses in Lugash confuse me where I'm like what is this place? It appears to be a barber shop but Pepe is also just in a chair asleep under his hat. Maybe he's waiting for his turn. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But he, Charles takes his hat off his face he says, good morning. Uh-huh. And he replies, it could be better. It could be better. How? You could go away. <laughs> <laughs> Charles is like, listen, you have to get me out of the country. Uh-huh. And he's like, I, I can't do no, that. the borders are being watched. The fat man wants you. Yeah. The colonel wants you. Like, everyone, the, you can't just get in and out of the country soups easy like that. Right. It's out of my hands. So Charles says to Pepe, tell the fat man you need a pass to get me out. And if he gives me a pass, you can set up an ambush so that he can get me or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. 
and for in exchange for half of the reward yeah that you'll get for turning me in mm-hmm. and the pass you'll turn me in and peppy's like i don't think i can do that and charles of course squeezes a bunch more of his fingers right. and is like you'll figure it out yes so Clouseau is getting fitted for some clothes. He's wearing a very bright red jacket. Yeah. I was like, is he buying this jacket or is this just like the example jacket? Yeah. You know, that they just like try and fit you. I have no idea, but it's very bright. Uh-huh. The bellhop from before knocks on the door to tell him, like he asked, that the Lady Lytton is going skiing on a glacier at two. Yes. And... He asks the bellhop, how long have you been a bellhop? Yeah, a bellboy. Oh, yeah. How long have you been a bellboy? Uh-huh. And He's the like, bellboy's like, too long, <sighs> sir. Too long. Right. Yeah. And Clouseau's like, well, keep this up, and I'll see that you are made into a bellman. <laughs> and he has the most confused look on his face, and he just walks away. It's like, great. But then we see Lady Lytton real quick, stops by the concierge to be like, I've changed my mind about the skiing. I'm going to the tennis matches. Which I think the point of this scene is just to be like, now that she knows that the bellhop is not standing there listening, she's like, here's what I'm actually doing in case my husband calls. Right. Because she's just, she's ahead of Clouseau the entire time. She yeah, knows she exactly knows. what happened, yeah. it, what's happening. He has not fooled her for one second. But then we see Clouseau sneaking into her room with a giant vacuum cleaner, like industrial vacuum cleaner. Yes. And a very big fake mustache that like- On top of his other mustache. Goes up at the end like Salvador Dali. Yeah. A huge fake nose that is not quite the color of his actual nose. No. He's speaking German. Comes in. Hello? Guten Tag? Looks around. We gets? No one's there. Except for a parrot that also yells we gets at him. Yes. He uh, turns on the vacuum. Yeah. But it's too powerful. Yeah. This is one of those that goes on. It's too long. For too long. And I think partly, too, at least for me, what makes the scene so annoying is that this vacuum cleaner is so loud. Yeah. So I think maybe even the scene wouldn't be that long if the fucking vacuum cleaner weren't so loud. Or if he realized that it was too strong, you know, he had some antics, and then he just turned it off. Yeah, which he does eventually, but he doesn't do it soon enough. No. Because he's an idiot. Yes. Yeah, so he's trying to inspect the room while vacuuming, and he just keeps getting stuff stuck in the vacuum because it's too strong. Right. The funniest part, I think, is when he pulls the photo out of the frame. It's yeah. like a painting of flowers, and he can't get it back in the frame. Yeah. So he just puts some flowers in yes. the frame. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. But he accidentally sucks up the bird. Mm-hmm. He accidentally pulls his mustache off. Mm-hmm. So when he sucks up the bird, that was when he finally like turns off because he's like, oh shit, the bird. So he turns off the vacuum cleaner. No, he doesn't turn it off yet. He and takes he... the lid off, but it's still oh, on. Oh, that's true. And it then is he still puts on. his whole head in it. I think he gets sucked in there. I don't think he does it voluntarily. I know. But so then he finally turns it off. Yes. And, and the, the bird is fine. The bird comes out wearing his mustache. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> swine bird. That is my private mustache, you nutty bird. God. So he takes it off the bird's face and sticks it to his own face. I just, that is my private mustache. Oh, man. So, yeah, now he's like, he's foregone the vacuum cleaner, finally. Yes. Thank God. Even though the room is destroyed by now. Yeah. He sees what he thinks is a safe. And yeah, he's like, Ooh, bed, yeah. I'm going to go try and crack it. So he gets his ear really close to it, turns the dial. It's a radio. It starts blasting yeah. full volume. But then, of course, in his, you know, luck that he has, even mm-hmm. when he turns the knob down, the volume does not change. So right. he just has to pull the whole thing out of the wall. Yeah, he tries to, he's flitting, fiddling with the volume, pulls the knob right out of the radio. So yeah, he yanks the whole thing out of the wall. Again, way too many cords on this thing. Yeah. Feet. Feet of cords. Then he inspects a lamp. This goes on forever too. It does go on for too long. 
It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, he's inspecting a lamp. The bulb is, like, not in the, right. the socket. He's looking at it. Nothing's on the bottom. So he goes to put the bulb back, and it just, like, shoots out, and it makes this, like, zoop yeah. <laughs> noise. So he's like, what? But he catches it. Yeah, he tries to put it back in. Tries to turn it on and off. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens. Shoots out again. Catches it. He touches the socket. Yeah. And it explodes him. Right. It just, yeah, shocks him, blows him back, like, feet into a wall. Yeah. He pops up. He's holding the bulb. It's fully illuminated. And he's, like, looking, he's you know. Very... His hair is, like, in fake white people dreadlocks. Yeah. Like, which... just tiny little dreads sticking out all over his like, head. That doesn't look like you got electrocuted. No, it's very strange. <laughs> Also, I thought that it was funny, because I do pay too much attention to hair, that when he stuck his head in the vacuum cleaner, it did not change his hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That should have, like, right made it all stick up. That would have been very funny. Yeah. But, anyway, as he's putting the bulb back in again, because he won't give up on this for some reason. Uh, yeah, I don't get it. The bellboy runs in the room and is like, she's coming. She's in the elevator. Yeah. So they go to leave, but it's too late. She's already on the floor. Yeah. They got to go back into her room and they go and hide in the sauna. Yes. In the bathroom. So further into her rooms, mm-hmm. way back in the bathroom. On in their the, way, the bulb the pops out again and he catches it he catches again it. and tries to put it back in again. And then they go back in the bathroom. Puts it back in. I know. Just set it down where it was, you goofball. God, I know. And so then they climb in the sauna and hide themselves under some towels. Yeah. They just kind of hang them on their heads as though they were hooks. Their f- bodies are still fully exposed for the most part. But, you know, they're. I guess if you looked in the window, you might not you might not see it people standing there i think you would yeah so she uh the lady letton walks in sees the vacuum so assumes someone's there and says hello but doesn't hear anyone so she's like okay whatever she goes in the bathroom turns the sauna on Mm -hmm. starting to get steamy in there yeah but she starts uh changing into a robe Mm -hmm. i guess because she's gonna get in the sauna right presumably the bellboy is like getting upset because he's like we're trapped in here she's gonna come in here she's gonna see us what are we gonna do Clouseau is just watching her get undressed. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. He, like, removes some of the steam from the window so that he can, like, look out while she changes. Yeah. Yeah, it's creepy because you see, like, her from behind and then you can see his face pressed up against the glass in the the reflection. And it's just like, ugh. Like, you would see that. If you took one glance, like, you would just see his creepy face. And I would scream. Yeah. Unless she does see it and she's like, I don't think she knows that he's in the room at this point. No, not yet. So just as she's about to, like, open the door to go into the sauna, she hears a buzz at her front door. So she goes to answer it. Mm-hmm. And the Clouseau and the bellboy realize that she's left the room. So they're like, okay, this is our chance to escape. Yep. But as soon as they open the door, the floor is slippery from all yeah. the steam. Yeah. And they do, like, the cartoon, like, Yep. Slide around everywhere. Yes. And then they have to help each other back in to the sauna because they hear that she's coming. It takes them so much time that they don't, they, like, they just yeah. barely make it in there. Yeah. She goes and grabs some towels. As she's walking in, though, she nearly eats shit because the floor is so slippery. Mm-hmm. And I... She spins around the, like, column. That's yeah. I'm very impressed because she's wearing heels. I yeah. mean, they're real chunky, but she does a very good job of looking like she didn't know that was coming. Yeah. And genuinely catching herself. Mm-hmm. So I hope that she did, because it would be dangerous if she didn't. Yes, definitely. I mean, she's got to, because it's the joke, but she does a great job. Yes. Is all I'm trying to say. She grabs some towels. She leaves again. Clouseau and the bellboy leave again, slipping and sliding all over the place. The bellboy manages to pull Clouseau's pants off. Yes. <laughs> again. Yep. 
Yeah, we see a lot of his legs in this movie. So Claudine is getting a massage in the main part of her hotel room. Mm -hmm. And Clouseau and the bellboy are like, we'll just crawl away. Yeah. But as they're doing that, the bulb shoots out of the lamp again. Yep. Startles everyone. Yeah. They are caught. Yes. Claudine's just kind of like, what are you doing here? And so Clouseau starts saying something in German. I exhausted my knowledge with hello, how are you? Yeah. But, you know, he's just like, oh, I'm, you know, blah, 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 blah. And the massage lady starts yelling at him, schnell, you know, get out. And he's like, he starts vacuuming again. Yeah. I guess just to kind of be like, I'm here to vacuum. See, that's what I'm doing here. I'm vacuuming. And they're like, get out, get out, get out. And he grabs the vacuum cleaner hose and they're wrestling with it and it attaches itself to one of the massage lady's boobs for too long too long and then he goes to try and turn it off and accidentally reverses it so now it's just blowing dust everywhere yep and so they just kind of leave the bellboy faints yeah because has to drag him out just dragging him out um the best part about this scene is that you can tell that the lady who plays claudine is like for real laughing yeah and she like puts a towel over her head and i think partially because of the dust but partially because she's just like cracking up yeah and then finally they get out clouseau drags the bellboy most of the way to the door and then kicks him in the butt and is like get out of the room and they just scramble out and they finally leave just leaving the masseuse to the vacuum cleaner and all the dust and mess that he made deal with it on your own so charles is sitting in a bar on the side of the road and lugash still he sees peppy drive by in a truck so he goes to meet him He's like, all right, what's the plan? Peppy hands him the papers. Mm-hmm. And he says, just like you said, in exchange for half of the reward, I'm going to give you over to the fat man. Yeah. And I know where we're meeting. It's like one mile from here or seven miles from here. I know the exact spot. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So he's like, I told the fat man we would meet, you know, one. Yeah, this place, one mile down the road, seven miles from the border, whatever. Yeah. So I'll avoid that spot completely. So he's waiting there for you. We'll go a different way. I'll get you across the border. We've got the pass. Yeah. Easy peasy. And Charles is like, yeah, great. Cool. Uh, I don't trust you at all. Yeah. So there's... there's, I don't even know what you call it. It just looks like an extra storage part underneath the truck. Yeah. It reminds me of like when you, you got like charter buses and like mm-hmm. the places underneath where they put, but it's... Like your bags and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like very low yeah quality yeah it's this just is like, just like a cylinder yeah a body-sized cylinder underneath the truck. right and peppy's like get in and charles is like yeah absolutely not you get the fuck in yeah he's like i don't trust you i'm driving yeah you stay under there mm-hmm. peppy's like but why and he's like because i don't trust you at all and like reaches it he just straight reaches into peppy's jacket and pulls out a gun yeah right where he knew it would be so of course he's like i know you too well you know this isn't fucking happening so he gets him in there and he drives off he smashes his fingers again. He does not. Oh. His fingers are in the way, but he's like, look out. Ah. And Peppy's like, oh, thank you. Yeah. He does grab some of his fingers at the beginning to threaten him. But yeah, he almost smashes his fingers yeah. in the thing. Anyway. Yeah. So Charles is driving the truck. He goes to the destination, but they've set up a detour. Mm-hmm. So he has to get off the main road onto this like dirt road. Mm-hmm. And a car is following him. Yep. Which he knows. So he parks the truck and runs and hides. Yeah. He... Gets out of the truck, goes into this building. As the car pulls up, we see that the fat man and two other people get out. They're, like, looking around for him. Mm -hmm. He, Charles, runs across the top of this wall next to them. Yeah. 
And as they're searching around for him, he gets in their car uh-huh. and drives away. Yeah, they're approaching the truck and they hear this like banging. And so they assume it's Charles who's like, oh, no, I've been swindled. And he's like, open right. it. But of course, it's Peppy. He's covered in dust and soot and looking terrible. And he's like, he tricked me. And uh, they're just like, God damn it. Smash all of Peppy's poor yeah. little broken fingers. And they're like, fan out, look for him. And it's, yeah, as they're looking for him, Charles sneaks back behind steals their truck drives off yep. makes his escape i know this is i mean they are intertwined but this just feels like two different movies oh yeah. in the tone because we've got this like very silly inspector cluso bumbling around fucking everything up and then we've got like super smooth charles Lytton, yeah jewel thief yeah international you know and i just think it's i'm like i like this guy like i would just watch movies of this yeah. guy getting yeah. away with shit yeah he's fun Back to the movie we came for. Right. Claudine receives a drink from a mysterious man at the bar. Yes. (laughs) The mysterious man being Inspector Clouseau. Who could it be? With new sideburns that aren't attached to the rest of his hair. Uh Uh-huh. And a handlebar mustache with only one handlebar. Uh Yeah, I think he loses it immediately. Yeah, and he has bright red jacket on. Yeah. His sunglasses are, like, very askew that he's wearing inside of this dark bar that they're hanging out in. Yeah, so she raises her drink in thanks, mm-hmm. so he, like, gets up and goes over to talk to her. Yeah. Making his way across the dance floor where he gets punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He sits down and introduces himself as Guy Gadbois, which is such a great name. Yes, it is. It's fun to say. But it's like, you you look the same. You look the same. That's the joke. This is not... I know it's the joke, but it's like, man, how can you not look at yourself and go, clearly I'm the man she has seen like four times. I Very mean, close face to face. Maybe, you know, he's seen Superman. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he is the master of disguise. He should just put on glasses. So they're just sitting and chatting and, you know, she introduces herself and he's like, oh, I already took the liberty of finding out who you were. I hope you don't mind. And she's like, well, I guess I don't. Uh, it kind of depends on your intentions. And he's like, oh, you know, they're very honorable i assure you right but uh he's just like trying to flirt with her and he's so bad at it and she thinks it's hilarious because he's like would it be naughty of me if i bought you a drink and she's like you already did and he's like yep yes i did do that well perhaps i'll buy myself a drink and we can drink them together and she's like great what a great plan he orders a kalua and ginger ale so gross what that's so gross that's the worst thing i've ever heard (laughs) yeah i think that's that's... worse than the time when i was a bartender and someone asked me for a jim beam and diet mountain dew ew yeah i guess i'd rather drink that than a clue and ginger ale though that's worse than this girl that i went to college with who couldn't just drink beer she she had to mix it with apple juice no yeah why just drink apple cider kalua Fluid and ginger ale. Disgusting. Well, anyway. He does say he's trying to find out, you know, his whole plan is to find out things about her husband. Because right. he thinks that he's the guy that, you know, he's the main suspect. So he says, if there is a Lady Litton, there must be a Laird Litton. What? A Laird. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's in uh, yes plastics. He gets so intense about it. That's how they chat. And yeah. he falls over. Yeah, he has just, his legs crossed, like, too hard, yeah. and he tries to uncross his legs, and it makes him just, like, fall down. Yeah. Yeah. And then he tries to toast Yeah, at, to her, and he says, here's looking at you, kid. Here is uh, looking at you, kid. 
And then she just falls down laughing. She loses it, yeah. <laughs> so at this point is what I'm going to interject here and say that most of her laughter throughout this movie is genuine because yeah. Peter Sellers was just trying to make her laugh as much as possible Yeah. to the point where the director just gave up trying to get her to say her lines the way she was supposed to because she was just <laughs> she cracking like, up the whole time. Yeah. She just like off camera, on camera, he was just trying to make her laugh like as much as possible. And so she was just like, they're That's like, we'll cute. just, we'll just have you play this role as like a giggly lady because <laughs> we can't get you to get it together it. Yeah. yeah yeah that's cute. it is yeah it's very cute so charles Lytton has made it to the border and he is allowed through with his special pass and the fat man's car yep but he made it oh, as no. he drives away okay. colonel sharkey comes out of the checkpoint uh-huh. building yeah and watches him yep and then he gets in a car and follows sir charles mm-hmm. so now we're back in claudian's room Yes. Where Guy Gadbois is saying that he comes to Gestad all the time. He loves the winter sports and the skiing. He's there so much. Yeah. She's like, so am I. How come we've never met? And he, like, picks up the ice bucket just to carry it around and walk with it. Yeah. Hugging it to himself. He keeps just making messes. He's yeah. He's spilling stuff. Yeah. He's dropping ice everywhere. Yeah. He goes to sit down and take a drink of his drink and the parrot shits in his glass. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's just having a hard time. He is. He says, is that your own parrot? It's <laughs> like, no, it came with the hotel. What? Yeah, she's like, and somebody let it out of the cage and now I can't get it back in. So. Yeah. And he's just flying around, I guess. Yeah. So he he's trying to be suave and mysterious because she's like, oh, what do you do? And he's like, oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And he goes to lean on the drink cart mm-hmm. and it just falls. Yeah. Because it has wheels. Right. And he just lands on the floor. Yeah. And she says, are you all right? Of course I am all right. Again. Yeah. So the phone rings. And he answers it. Yeah. Very aggressively. Yeah. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> but then he's like, oh, sorry. I thought I was in your apartment. Right. Wait, I mean, I am in your apartment. Yeah, well, she's answering. He says to himself. He just looks off kind of into the middle of distance. I am in your apartment. <laughs> but the phone is for him. Yeah, which is weird. How do people know? Well, because he's not very smooth. Right. Uh, so she hands him the phone and he puts it in his jacket. Like, in his jacket. <laughs> yeah. And she leaves the room and he's like, oh, you don't have to leave on my account. Uh-huh. And she says, I'm leaving on my account. Right. Whatever that means. Yes. But it's the chief inspector. Uh-huh. He is losing his mind. Yeah. We can see throughout the movie as it progresses, his face gets twitchier. Yeah. And he gets progressively gigglier. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's falling apart. <laughs> yes. He needs a break. So yeah, Clouseau's like, who, who is this? Yeah, this it's me, Guy Gadebois. Who is this on the phone? Yeah, and he says, you know, it's me. It's the man who hates you, who wants more than anything to see you dead and buried. Right. And Clouseau says, are you the head waiter that works at the little bistro on the Rue de Beaux-Arts? It's like, no, you idiot. It's Chief Inspector Dreyfus. Yeah. And then Clouseau is like, oh, well, anybody could call this hotel and ask for Guy Gadebois and say that they are the Chief Inspector Dreyfus. Yeah. So... What's the code word? Yeah. What's your code name? He's like, I don't have a code name. I've never had a code name. Yeah. And Clouseau says, see, only the chief would know that. Yep. That's so infuriating. <laughs> he is infuriating. I would feel the same way if I were the chief. Absolutely. Yeah. And we see, of course, that Lady Lytton is in the other room listening. Yeah, she's very on the, smug on the other phone mm-hmm. listening, yeah. But Dreyfus wants to know, why are you still in Switzerland? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, I'm here. I'm interrogating. Um, and t- turns around to get very quiet. I'm mm. interrogating the Lady Lytton. I'm trying to find out where her husband is. 
Right, and Dreyfus is like, he's in Lugash. He's been in Lugash the whole time. Yeah, we know where he is. Maybe if you checked in once in a while and did your fucking job, you would know what we know, which is that he's in Lugash and that- You idiot! (laughs) Right, so he's like, okay, I'll be on the first plane. Yeah. Claudine has come back into the room while he's on the phone, slips something into Clouseau's drink, Mm -hmm. and Clouseau is like, having a fake conversation for a long time. Yes. Yeah, he's just kind of like, well, if if you want my advice, I would tell you not to do that. I'm not going to argue with you, but of course I don't think you should do that. It just like goes on, you know, where he's just like trying to clumsily cover up this conversation with no one because the chief has already hung up the phone. Yeah. So Claudine comes in the room and she's like, oh, did I overhear you say that you have to get on the next plane? And Mm -hmm. he's like, yes, unfortunately, you know, so she hands him his drink they kind of cheers. He drinks it all in one gulp. Yep. He's like, huh, that tasted weird. Yep. And then she sits down and tells him goodnight and he grabs her hand to like kiss it and say goodnight. Yeah. But he just gets stuck bent over like that. Yes. Which I have to, maybe I like to imagine that maybe he was supposed to like slump to the floor or faint or fall on the couch or whatever. Yeah. And I think that him getting stuck like that was like a Peter Sellers decision because yeah. she looks a little bit like, what? What's happening? And she like pulls her hand out and she's like looking at him and she's like, oh, well, that works. And then she calls the concierge. Yeah. So Sir Charles is getting on the tiniest plane I've ever seen. Yeah. And, like the two people in it are touching shoulders. I know. So and small. The colonel is there watching him go and gets in a different, but also very small plane. Yep. I don't know why he doesn't just like ask him here or talk to him here. I don't know. It just seems like a lot to follow someone in a plane, you know? Yeah. Like, following someone in a car is very different than, like, follow that plane! Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I know why, but... Yeah. But it's still just, like... At this point, yeah, it's just, like... Just, you know where he's going. Like, just go. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, if you're being followed in a plane, it's like, hey, do you think that plane is following us? (laughs) Just seems like it's been making all the same moves. Yeah. And there's no one else in the sky. Right. It's just very weird that it's happening seems sus yeah we see sir charles has arrived at the palace hotel in gestad we see him going into the hotel and then we see dreyfus on the phone calling the hotel calling the palace hotel and says get me gigadois room yes and the phone is ringing we see cluso but he's in the bath he's in the bath which is attached to the sink yeah which is next to the he's in the tiniest room because this is the tiny room with the dusty key yes so he hears the phone ringing. Uh-huh. He's trying to shut off the bath. Uh-huh. But the handle comes off. Yeah, because the bath is full, but he also has the shower head going. Yeah. To, like, you know, clean himself off with, obviously. Yeah. But so he, yeah, he tries to turn the water off. The handle comes off in his hand. He's like, okay, great. I have to get out because the phone is ringing. What do I do with this water? He tries to stick it in the sink. That doesn't work. He's, he tries to un plug the bath so that it will drain the chain just comes off in his hand that won't work he's finally just like you know what fuck it i gotta go answer the phone he gets out of the tub he puts his robe on he sticks the shower head in the toilet and flushes it and walks away yeah that's how that works Uh uh-huh yeah it immediately starts flooding yeah but he does finally get to the phone dreyfus is on the phone and he's like listen i want you to arrest lady linton immediately within Mm -hmm. five minutes if you don't arrest her within five minutes you're fired forever i'll have you checking parking meters in martinique Right. Hangs up the phone. Aggressively. So he's still wearing his robe and covered in soap, and he says, five minutes? How yeah. am I going to do that? What? Five minutes? I'm right. not even dressed. So right. he goes to open his wardrobe, mm-hmm. and a hand pops out. What? Grabs him by the neck. Ah! Who is it? Who? Who could it be? 
I don't know. Oh, Just it's Kato. Kato. It's Kato. Yeah. 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 It attacks him like he does. Yes. I completely forgot about Kato <laughs> up until this point, which I think is the point right. that you have forgotten him. Plus, he's been in hospital this whole point. Yeah. This whole time because he, he got, got blown exploded. Up. Yeah. I do wonder how long he's been in there. And how he got in that room. Mm-hmm. But I guess he's Kato. Yeah. You know, I just remembered that there was that um, chain of stores. I don't know if they still exist, but Kato. Yeah. It was like business dressy clothes. Yeah. Uh, it would be funny if each store just had a man in it that would pop out at you. <laughs> like You're everything was like, the same. Whoosh, whoosh, but every now and then you would go just get the like. Going dresses on the rack. Yeah. An arm pops <gasps> out. <laughs> and you have to fight that man. Yeah, and, and if, if you, you do, you get 25% off. <laughs> Literally what I was just going to say. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, but he, uh, he's like, Kato, there's a time and a place for everything, and now is not the time. And so he waits until Kato is like, oh, okay, sorry. And then he's like, now is the time, and karate chops him in the shoulder. Yes. But he, he gets on the phone, he calls the valet, sends for his brown suit. Yeah. But it sounds like it's just not done. Yeah, or they're just not in any kind of hurry. They just don't give a shit about him, because he's like, I need it now. And they're yeah. like, yeah, well, that's nice. Right. They're very busy. It's the height of the season. So while Kato is helping him get dressed, he calls the chief inspector's office back because he's like, okay, I have to arrest the lady Linton, but I don't know what to charge her with if I arrest her. Yeah. And she says, what am I being charged with? I don't know what to say. I have an answer and that's embarrassing. Right. So Francois answers the phone mm-hmm. and he's like, Dreyfus isn't here. He's on vacation. Right. And Clouseau is like, that's weird because he just called me. Right. Not two minutes ago. Right. Yeah, and we get this very silly scene where he, you know, he has the phone up to his ear and Kato puts the sweater on over his head and he puts his arm through it, but the phone cord is still like underneath his sweater. And then when he hangs it up, he's like, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. It's all, he's all tangled, tangled up together. Yeah. But he's explaining to Kato, he's like, something is very strange here because, you know, I, I mean, everything that we just learned, but he's like, he tells me to arrest the Lady Liton, but he does not tell me on what charge. And I call him back to say on what charge. And he's not there. I found that he's gone on vacation. Something is fishy in Denmark. Kato's like, Switzerland. Yeah, that too. Yes. So he goes to leave. Mm-hmm. He opens the bathroom door. Yep. The room is flooded. Yeah. It's a mouse hunt moment. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Knocks them back. Water and bubbles and a huge mess. Uh-huh. And then we see where Dreyfus actually is. Where is he? Putting together a rifle. Oh. Giggling to himself. Yes. About how he's going to kill Clouseau. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> room service has arrived at Lady Lytton's room, but Charles has arrived at the same time. He intercepts the bellboy guy. Yeah. Room service man. Sure. Tips him, pushes the cart into the room himself. Mm-hmm. He's like, I have your breakfast. Yes. And she's like, just leave it. I'll yeah. sign for it later. She's still asleep. Yeah. But then he climbs in her bed uh-huh. and says, how about a little tip? Yeah. She's like, what? Oh, Charles. And she's delighted to see him. And it's very cute. Yeah. I think they're very cute. They're cute. She is excited to see him. But he's like, listen, I need... The Pink Panther. Yeah. And she is like, oh, I'm going to call for a different uh, waiter. Yeah. And he keeps like, she just keeps going on with the shtick like they're role playing. But mm-hmm. he's like, no, seriously. No, seriously. Hey. Right. I get, I'm, I'm like, losing my on. patience. Like, I really need it. Yeah. She's like, fine. She's like, I thought I had at least another week before you figured out it was me. Yes. So she goes to another room, gets out a little, it looks like a makeup case. Yeah. It just has a bunch of little things in it. And the Pink Panther is there. 
And like a thing of cold cream, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. And Covered in lotion. Gross. Yeah, she even says, like, she reaches in to get it, it's a little bit stuck, and she's like, ugh. <laughs> she just plops it in his hand, still covered in cream, and yeah. he's like, great, thank you. What if it was flubber cream? This <laughs> fucking diamond just ricocheting around the hotel room. Yeah, so she explains, he's like, what, why did you, you know, why did you steal it? Yeah. And she's like, well, because you were getting bored, and, you know... I didn't want you to get bored. I didn't want you to get bored with me. I was just trying yeah. to make your life more interesting. Spice up your life. He's like, I almost got killed. <laughs> she says, better than dying of boredom. That's true. And then she asks him how he figured out that it was her. Yeah. And he's like, I saw the picture of you. Yeah. He a says, husband will recognize his wife even with a beard. Right? Something yeah. about a wife. Yep. But then they're like snuggling each other and it's very cute. And he's like, all right, let's come on. It's time to pack up and go home. We got to get out of here. Yeah. And she's like, okay. But then we see... Colonel Sharkey is standing there yep, with a gun pointed at both of them. And he's like, I'm sorry for the intrusion, madam, but you see before you a very disillusioned man. And she's like, mostly speaking to her husband, she's like disillusioned. And with a gun. He's obviously not with the hotel. Yeah, she is not worried. No, not at all. They're not. They're both of them aren't really worried for quite some time in this scene, which I also kind of like. They're both just kind of like, well. Yeah, they're both just used to getting away with things. Yeah. I think. Super nonchalant. Everything is a game. It's true. Yeah, so Sharky says, I foolishly believed your husband to be a man of integrity. She says, oh, that was foolish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Charles says, thank you. <laughs> yeah, Sharky says, so since Lytton didn't do the things he said he was going to do, now I'm going to have to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Regrettably. Yes. But Char- again, they're both just like, yeah, whatever. Charles like goes over to the room service cart, tells her to scooch down a little bit, hands mm-hmm. her some coffee. He's like, she- sorry, Sharky, there's only one cup. He's she like, lays back in bed, too. Yeah. Like, she's comfortable. He's eating her toast, and she's like, uh, do you mind if I ask you, for instance, what things you have to do, since he didn't do what he said he was gonna do? Mm-hmm. Sharky's like, well, first, I'm gonna have to ask you for the Pink Panther. And they're both kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, that checks. He's like, and two, I will be forced to shoot you. And this is kind of where she gets a little bit, like, she breaks a little bit. Yeah. But she seems more indignant than anything else. She's like, yeah. for- who's forcing you? Right, yeah. But just then, Clouseau knocks on the door. Mm-hmm. His sweater is too big because it's all wet. Yeah, it's just so stretched out. Yeah. And he says, if you don't open this door, I will be forced to break it down. All right, here I come. And he, like, backs up yeah. really far because he's going to run into it. Uh-huh. But as he reaches the door, Charles opens it. Mm-hmm. And he runs through with too much momentum and lands in the bed with Lady Lytton. Mm-hmm. And the bed just breaks in half. Yeah, it just, I guess, seems like it's two like, beds pushed together. Yeah. And so he has... Folds in the middle. Disrupted the force that was holding this bed together. Right. I don't know. But she's like, gee, you're all yes. wet. Right. Yeah, she's still playing it, too. Yeah. And he's like, listen, I have to arrest you. Mm-hmm. And she says, do you know my husband? Yeah. And he's like, yes, I do. And when I see him, I will arrest him immediately. But he's, like, sitting right next to yeah, him. Yeah, he sits down as he's saying this. Yeah. And Charles says, oh, well, then you must know Colonel Sharkey. And without recognizing that Charles is sitting next to him when he just said, you know, he just says, oh, that idiot from the Lugash police. Yes, of course I know him. And then he's like, oh, Sir Charles, I'm ha- I'm here to arrest you. He doesn't Charles even like, notice that Sharkey is still standing there pointing a gun at everyone. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of gone behind them, but not, you know, no. sneakily. Yeah. But Charles is like, okay, but yeah, I get it. You have to arrest me, whatever. But before you get all worked up, you should maybe calm down a little bit because he intends to kill all of us. And Clouseau's like, who? And Charles just goes, Colonel Sharkey, and points at him. Yeah, and he turns around and finally sees him. Yes. 
And he says, good shocky colonel god. <laughs> Which I think a lot of times. When I go to say good god about something, I'm always like, good shocky colonel god. <laughs> I think it in my brain. Yes. And he's like, we were just talking about you. You're trying to cover up the fact that he just called him an idiot. Yes. And he says, this is Sir Charles Phantom, the famous Pink Lytton, who stole the... And I want to know what was going to say next. Yes. But we'll never know. No. Because he then turns back to Charles and says, wait, did you say he was going to kill us? Yes. You're joking, of course. No. You intend to kill me as well? With pleasure. <sighs> but Clouseau is like, what if I... Is there anything I could say to convince you? And Sharky's like, no, I can't think of anything. And he's like, well, what if I thought of something? And he's like, do you have an example? And he's like, what if I were to tell you that your fly is undone? And he's like walking away at this moment. And Sharky's like, what? Uh, wow, what a strange coincidence. So is yours. And Clouseau's like, what? And he goes to look. And just as he bends over to look and check his fly, a shot rings out from the sniper rifle that Dreyfus is holding. Yes. And shoots Colonel Sharky. Yes. Dead. Yep. And... He kind of, like, he doesn't fall all the way to the floor. Yeah. He just kind of, like, crumples a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, Clouseau says, ah, I see you are familiar with the open fly ploy. So am I. Mm-hmm. And then he does fall over, and he says, oh, I see you are so naughty. <laughs> Falling on the bed with your arm on the floor ploy. Yeah. <laughs> this Charles Litton is finally like, he's been shot dead, you idiot. I know, he gets fed up with a... And Clouseau gets really mad. He's like, don't call me an idiot. But then Dreyfus just starts shooting wildly into the room. Yes. Not trying to calculate it anymore. Just like, so they all duck to escape the barrage of bullets. Yeah, and he runs out of bullets. So then he is just throwing things. Yeah. From his room at... Just Clouseau's in the direction. Room, yeah. Because I feel like they're... They're across... In different buildings. yeah. 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 So he's just picking up the nightstand and throwing it. Taking photos off the wall and throwing them. And he's just like, (laughs) throwing these things. He has lost his last remaining shred of cool at this point. Like, it's just, he's gone. Absolutely. And the concierge and the bellboy show up to Dreyfus's room to probably, you know, presumably find out what's happening. Shots have been fired. And he is throwing things at them, chases him down chases them down the hallway they get back into his room and shut the door and he just smashes his way through it giggling the whole time very uh here's johnny Uh uh-huh so then it cuts back to the museum where the same guide from the opening is Mm -hmm. explaining that dreyfus was found not guilty by reason of insanity clouseau was decorated by the general and he took over dreyfus's position terrible idea yes sir charles is supposed to be retired and still living at his mansion villa but we see him stealing jewels out of a safe while a lady is sleeping. He mm. puts, like, the little phantom glove on her face. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of rude. Boop. Okay. And then we see Clouseau, who is sitting in a Japanese restaurant with Francois. And they're mm-hmm. eating together, sitting on the floor. And Francois is, like, just being nice to him, I think, because he's his boss now. Yeah, he still has his arm in a sling. I know. Poor guy. But Clouseau is saying, you know, normally I like to eat at home. Because I, I know a lot about Asian food. Because yeah. Kato cooks for me. Yeah. So I consider myself, you know, a bit of a connoisseur. But recently, Kato has just taken every opportunity to attack me, and it's just not safe in my house, so I thought I would yes. get out for a little bit. Bad for my digestion. Yes. And then a waitress comes over, brings him a little plate with fortune cookies on it, and he's like, this is weird. I don't think I've ever seen fortune cookies in a Japanese restaurant. Yeah, so Francois like, okay, well, what does it say? Yeah. And he opens it, uh-huh. and it's like a piece of paper that is too big right. for a fortune cookie. <laughs> But it says, beware Japanese waitress bearing fortune cookies. Uh-huh. So he starts looking around 
Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. And then Kato, dressed as a waitress, yeah. attacks him. Uh-huh. And they fight. Yeah. And things break. Yeah, they smash up the restaurant. Everyone Some guy... in the restaurant starts fighting. Yeah. At one point, I do appreciate that Francois is just like, I'm jumping into this fray. You know, he could yeah. be like, this ain't my shit and leave. But he's like, oh, fuck that guy. I'm gonna punch him. He tries to punch him, but his arm is still in a sling. And so it just like, doesn't yeah. go anywhere. And then the guy just wails on him. Yeah. Yeah. And then Clouseau does a running kick down a hallway to get Cato. But Cato turns at the last minute and he goes flying through the wall into the kitchen Knocks over a bunch of shelves, breaks a bunch of plates. A bunch of shelves that didn't get touched at all no. by him yeah. flying through the wall, but right. everything falls. Yep. Smashing. Yeah. Credits roll. Yes. We get this very terrible scene. Yes. Of Dreyfus in a padded room, mm-hmm. wearing a straight jacket, mm-hmm. writing Kill Clouseau on the walls with his feet. Yep. And then the Pink Panther cartoon comes in. Yeah. Brings the credits along with him. Uh-huh. And that's the end. That's it. The end. Yep. Ta-da. Ta-da. We did it. That's the end. That's it. That's all. (laughs) We made it. Okay. So, for you, as a person who had not seen this movie as a child, would you say it's a replay or a rewind? For me, it's a rewind. Yeah. It's too long. Yeah. A lot of the things go on too long. Yeah. My biggest problem with it is I really... I appreciate all of the physical comedy and the gags and, you know, I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. It would be better and more interesting to me if he were successful. Yeah. If his bumbling, you know, almost like Baby's Day Out where it's like, this baby doesn't know what he's doing, but he's succeeding. Yeah. He doesn't do anything. No. He doesn't succeed at anything. No, he has no idea. He's He suspects Charles Litton the whole time, even though Lady Litton is in his face. Right. He's in the room with the Pink Panther more than once uh, and nothing has that no he, idea. Nothing that he does works, but also nothing that he does really makes any difference one way right. or the other. Yeah. All of the other things like happen without his involvement. Yeah. You know, the whole backstory of the Pink Panther being stolen, the whole thing with like the government mm-hmm. in Lugash, that would all happen whether or not he was there. Right. You know, so he... He is like a bumbling idiot throughout the movie, but he isn't really like an important person in any way to the actual plot. Yeah. I don't know. I just, w- I, I do really like movies where somebody accidentally succeeds mm-hmm. because I think it's more frustrating. Yeah. Well, especially because, and I mean, neither of us have seen the original Pink Panther movie. Right. And so I do wonder because they call him in because he was successful in recovering the Pink Panther the first time it was stolen. Right. And so it'd be interesting to see if he was successful in that role yeah and if he actually recovered it or if it was just accredited to him the way it kind of was this time around yeah. too yeah because yeah he gets promoted you know it gets returned and everybody's like Clouseau did it but he didn't do it he didn't yeah he didn't do any of it so it'd it, be interesting to see if he actually did it the first time around or not right yeah and also a lot of the racism and sure. stuff like that is just kind of hard to yeah. swallow if it's not if you don't also have the, like, feeling of nostalgia to propel you through it. Right. There are certain, like, things that you just can't go back no. on anymore, you know? Yeah. This definitely is a very nostalgic movie for me. Yeah. Watching it as an adult and through the lens of, you know, like, this podcast of, like, breaking it up. It is definitely, like, oof. I mean. I can understand, the like, why a kid would like it. Yeah. You know, it, it's, again, it's another one of those movies like like Kindergarten Cop that I watched when I was a kid where I wasn't really that focused on 
the crime that was happening, but right. the funny parts were very funny to me. Yeah. And this is the same way. Yes. You know, watching somebody who doesn't know how to vacuum. Right. Can be very funny when yeah. you're, you Slipping, know, Slipping, sliding around. Yeah, yeah. Falling down. And his accent is really fun. Yeah. 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 There were definitely, um, cause it's been a long time since I watched it, mm-hmm. but I had watched it so much as a kid that, you know, it was all pretty much in there, but there were parts of it where watching it this time, I was like, oh, I didn't ever pick up on exactly what was happening between like Peppy and the fat man and Charles because I was like, yeah. no, 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 spy shit. I don't care. Right. Yeah, jewel thief, whatever. Yeah. You know, so those chunks of the movie, I was just kind of like, meh. The whole thing, you know, about the fat man saying like, yeah, the colonel is using this as a way of cleaning up a bunch of my friends, cleaning up the crime and his political. I was just like, completely went over my head right and i wonder so, if the fat man is a character in the first movie yeah i have no idea because he, he must just be. goes back to him mm-hmm. you know without really explaining who he is right so i wonder but, yeah so yeah. it's very interesting so i probably won't ever watch it again right but you know it wasn't the worst thing yeah i mean yeah the uh, <laughs> i'm not trying to excuse racism but at least you can be like well it was 1975 Right, and like I said, too, at least Cato is only in the beginning and the end for a little bit. Yeah. Because it, I'm sure, would have just kept going. Yeah. Because he couldn't refer to him at all without being racist. Right. Right. Yeah. Did it make you cry? No. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. So it came out May 21st, 1975. Nice. It had a budget of $5 million. That was all in broken dishware. Yeah. <laughs> It made $75 million. Damn. So it did pretty well. In 1975 money. Yeah. And it has an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Yeah. So I've already told you all the pertinent and interesting trivia. So the only other, like, interesting sort of bit of trivia is that Julie Andrews had a scene that got cut where she was supposed to play a maid who removed the unconscious Clouseau from Lady Lytton's room after she drugs him. Oh, yeah. Because Julie Andrews and Blake Edwards, who directed this movie, were married from 1969 until Blake Edwards' death in 2010. Oh. So he was like, I put my wife in this movie yeah. because everyone loves her. And then just cut her out. And then they cut it out. Yeah. Because I don't need, you know, Because the movie was already, it was two hours long. It's so long. It was an hour and 57 minutes. I know. That's too long. So I did find out how the Pink Panther cartoons are related. Oh, okay. And pretty much just the whole history of the franchise, which is kind of interesting. There are yeah. nine movies in this franchise Jesus. in the original. Yeah. And then there were two reboots. What is this, Spider-Man? Yeah, there's a ton of them. <laughs> so this is actually the fourth movie in the series. Oh. The first one is called The Pink Panther, and it was supposed to be a vehicle for this guy, I think David Niven is his name, and he plays Charles Lytton in the first one. Okay. And he's this notorious jewel thief named the Phantom. He steals the Pink Panther, and then they send Clouseau after him to recover it. It was supposed to be a series about the Phantom. Oh, yeah. But everybody liked Inspector Clouseau so much that they were like, we're going in that direction instead. Okay. And it kind of made David Niven a little bit cranky yeah. because he was like, this was supposed to be a thing for me to do a bunch of movies. And they were like, yeah, just kidding. We're right. We're going to write about this Clouseau guy instead. Yeah. The second movie is called Shot in the Dark. Okay. He's in it. Peter Sellers is in it. It's the only other one in the series that I have seen. Yeah. The third one is called Inspector Clouseau. Peter Sellers is not in it. Oh. I don't know why. He just said he didn't want to do it. He was busy. I guess. But so then... The production company didn't want to make any more Pink Panther movies because they were like, look, they're going downhill. Blake Edwards is going downhill. Peter Sellers is going downhill. All this shit. They're all washed up. We don't want to deal with it anymore. We're done. So this guy, Lou Grade, who also produced Dark Crystal. Oh. So Lou Grade came and 
financed it with his own money yeah. because he wanted Julie Andrews in a movie. Oh. And he was like, if I make a deal with Blake Edwards, maybe he will convince Julie Andrews to come be in this movie that I want. And so he made a deal. He said, I will finance two movies for you if you can convince Julie Andrews to come be in this other project that I'm working on. And he was like, okay. And so he made one called The Tamarind Seed. I don't know anything about that. And then he was like, I'm going to do this other project. And Sir Grade was like, I don't like that at all. Why don't you make another Pink Panther movie? And Blake Edwards was like, okay, but only if I can get Peter Sellers to do it. So he went and convinced Peter Sellers to come be in the movie. And it actually helped revive Peter Sellers' career a little bit at that point. So then there's The Revenge of the Pink Panther. There's a sixth movie that I can't remember what it's called. There was supposed to be a seventh movie called The Romance of the Pink Panther, where Mm -hmm. Clouseau falls in love with this jewel thief lady and, like, pursues her. And Peter Sellers himself wrote that one. Oh. But then that one didn't get made. Oh. And then Peter Sellers died. And then they made another movie, the actual seventh movie in the series called The Trail of the Pink Panther, which is just comprised of pieces of a previous Pink Panther movie. Oh. And flashbacks. That Peter Sellers is so, in? Yeah. So okay. Peter Sellers is still the main character, but he had already died when they made oh. the movie, and they just kind of pieced That's it together weird. from, like, cut scenes and flashbacks to previous movies. And so Peter Sellers' widow sued and was like, you are ruining my husband's name yeah, with this and movie, he, he and she agree. won. Yeah. Yeah. So... Then they made two more Pink Panther movies after that called The Curse of the Pink Panther and The Son of the Pink Panther, where they really tried to revive. In The Curse of the Pink Panther, they made up an American inspector Mm. named Inspector Slay, Detective Slay. Yeah. And he's just like a bumbling American idiot, but he's trying to find Clouseau and the Pink Panther, which are both missing. Oh. And then... That's kind of a fun idea. yeah, Yeah. But it was super unsuccessful. And then they made a ninth and final movie called The Son of the Pink Panther, where... A man who is the illegitimate son of Inspector Clouseau and some woman that he encountered in A Shot in the Dark, Mm. one of the murder suspects, shows up and he's running around being an idiot. And that one also did very poorly. So they were like, we're done with this franchise. I have a question. Yeah. Is A Shot in the Dark Mm -hmm. about Inspector Clouseau hooking up with someone? Because (laughs) I feel like him trying to make sex would just be A Shot in the Dark. He, I cannot imagine he would be well knowledgeable, know what he was doing, not break the bed, not break everything he touched. He is not nearly as inept in the first two Pink Panther movies as he is in Return of the Pink Panther. Ah, he okay. gets way stupider. Yeah. And way more French. Like the whole gag of people not being able to understand what he's saying yeah. only shows up in this movie. Oh. So I think that's funny though. I like that. I do too. I like that joke. Yeah. Well, I think that's why I watched A Shot in the Dark once in ah. this movie. As many times as I did. A million times. Right. And then in 2006, they rebooted the franchise with Steve Martin as the Pink Panther and Kevin Klein as Chief Inspector Dreyfus. Oh. And then they made... That one did really well. Yeah. Critically, it was pretty panned. Everybody was like, this movie is stupid. But... I remember when it came out, but I don't think I ever saw it. I didn't either. I just remember the previews... Yeah. ...of Steve Martin sitting in a theater... And his cell phone is going off and he's like talking to the person next to him. And he's like, excuse me, do you mind? I'm trying to watch a film. And then he realizes that it's his phone. And he was like, he says, I will put it on vibrate. Then he puts it on vibrate. And then it's like, and it's just like vibrating him across the seat. And he's just like, Jesus Christ. So anyway, that's all I remember from it. I didn't ever see them. Yeah. But it had 
that one had a budget of 80 million and made 164 million back okay. so they're pretty well so yeah. they made a pink panther 2 where john cleese played dreyfus instead of kevin klein and that one did very poorly oh john cleese is such a good idea though i know i love him i wonder if the writing was just bad yeah was steve martin in that one also uh-huh okay yep so then the pink panther cartoon the pink panther show came after these movies mm-hmm because people liked the opening credit animation so much. All right. Which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. He got his start in just like the opening credit. Yeah. Because yeah. I was cute. like, I don't know why they're tied together, but it's just because they're talking about this diamond. They're like, yeah, it's called the Pink Panther. If you look through it, you see a Pink Panther leaping around. And then they drew this Pink Panther being silly. And people were like, that's fun. And we like this theme song so much that Harry Mancini wrote. Yeah. So they were like, cool, we'll make a whole cartoon of that. And that cartoon went for like four or five years or something. I remember just, like, watching the cartoon, but I don't really remember what it's about. Is it just the Pink Panther like getting away from people? Yeah. It's okay. It's just very silly. Like him, I think there's like a human man that he kind of antagonizes. A human man? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where he kind of, he'll sneak into his house and, like, eat his food or whatever. Oh, okay. He's just, like, always getting away with shit. Yeah. It's, there's no dialogue. It's just him slinking around. Cool. Causing problems. I mean, I remember, like, the imagery is very strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they're just a bunch of little shorts strung together. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. That's the whole movie? That's it. That's all? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, I know you really wanted to watch it, so I'm glad we did it. Yeah. And we don't have to do it again. No. (laughs) No, it'll probably be a long time, you know, before I watch it again. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad it has good memories for you. But yeah, I think it's one of those things like, is it Ghostbusters that you didn't watch until you were an adult and you're like, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, But like anyone who watched it as a kid is like, it's the best movie that was ever made. Yes. You know? Yeah. I think it's probably like that. Oh, absolutely. I can definitely separate myself a little bit and be like, you know, this is not a great movie. I can't separate myself from the Ghostbusters. It could be better. (laughs) But there, yeah, there are just a lot of things from it. Just even little sounds. Like when they're, when Claudine and Charles are in the pool and he sets his champagne glass down next to the pool. The sound of the glass hitting like the concrete. Yeah. I could hear it before it happened. Yeah. Just little things like that. That's how I felt watching Beethoven. I don't think I realized like how much it Mm -hmm. was in my brain until like I would see what was about to happen Mm -hmm. and I could like hear it. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I know. Unlocking memories is weird. It is. It's very strange where you're just like, oh shit. Oh yeah. Oh that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten about Peppy entirely yeah Yeah. and you didn't mention kato at all no when we were talking about what happens right but then when he showed up i was like oh yeah and all his fingers get broken all the time and he's so sweaty in his hat yeah anyway yeah that's it we did it it. so thank you guys for listening yeah you're great appreciate you you are great thanks for the ears (laughs) (laughs) thanks for lending us your ears thanks friends romans and countrymen for lending us your ears if you want to come talk to us, you can talk to us on Instagram or Tumblr at Replay Rewind Podcast. You can email us at replayrewindpodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at Replay Rewind Pod. Yes, you can. If you want to listen to our other episodes, you can find those on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google, anywhere that you're listening to this right now. I'm sure the other episodes are there. It'd be weird if they weren't. <laughs> if you have the ability to like, subscribe, review, share, please do that. That gets the word out about us, helps us out, gets us some visibility, 
neither of us are very good at social media so if you could just do that for us it would be great yeah if one of your friends is talking about a movie be like oh shit i know a podcast that just covered it and send them the link just do it immediately just be annoying about it but, please. I mean, that's what i've been doing that's exactly what i do yep so, yeah do not mention a movie around me i will send you a link <laughs> to my podcast Speaking of links and movies and things like that, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash replay rewind podcast. We got bonus episodes. We cover an extra movie once a month. We do remix episodes where we mix up movies. We write them, rewrite them on the spot. We're very funny. We do deep dives on topics that you're curious about. Topics that we're curious about. Topics that we're curious about. (laughs) Um, You get a bonus episode every week. You know, it's worth the money. It's true. You get a sticker. Yeah. We'll shout your name out on the show. Yeah. And we'll spend the money on getting better recording equipment. Yeah. So if you think this sounds like shit, send us some money. <laughs> if it God. sounds bad, it's your fault. <laughs> right. Exactly. In the meantime, stay fresh, you beautiful fromage bags. <laughs> and don't forget to reduce, reuse, recycle, replay, rewind, and return of the Pink Panther. <laughs> And reinvestigate and <laughs> goodbye. <laughs>